Hey, this is Aaron Conley. I make uh, Sabertooth Swordsman, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock's Comics. <laughs> Good. Yes, it was very good, Dab. Well, now it's too far away. No, no, no. Does it sound closer? Really? Yeah. Right. Sounds scary. Scary. Sounds like you're in the bat cave. Your little kid, and there's all bats flying around you, and you're scared. Maybe it's crickets in the waterfall. Oh. Sounds, sounds like crickets. Yeah, lazy eye. Sounds like crickets in the background. What was up with that? Um, I told you. Mm-hmm. Like right at the beginning. You did. Okay, though. No. Some people just get no. No, some people just get very excited. I can't blame them. I get excited. I'm excited right now. Uh-huh. I mean, you have to tell us this because we're not sure if we believe you, but yes. Yes, you do believe me. I got Bray Wyatt doll. Nice. What? Yeah. Wait, what? I got a Bray Wyatt doll, but it's a zombie Bray Wyatt. Okay. Like the the they've been doing these themed sets. the The current one is mutants now, uh-huh. um, and Bray Wyatt is an alligator. I don't okay. know why he's an alligator. Is from, is he from, from the swamp? Okay, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. But the one the Bray Wyatt I have in my hands here is a. Zombie Bray Wyatt. See, now what's hilarious mm-hmm. is that I saw the zombie WWE figures at the flea market, and I love the fact that they didn't have to change the um, the mold. They didn't have to change the skin color for the page zombie because... No, she's dead on. She's, she's white. She's already super white, so... Yeah, but the the page one's not too good. No, it the, isn't. The, be- the, the best one is Triple H. I love that figure. But I, I, I saw the. Br- oh, I'm sorry. No, no. I, I've um, the only other one I've seen um, in person was uh, Sasha Banks. There's a zombie Sasha Banks. Yeah, I didn't oh. get it though. But yeah. Mm. But the the Bray Wyatt. The only thing that's zombie about him is he's got a boo boo on his knee. Like that's it's just a regular Bray Wyatt figure, and he's got like a busted knee. That's it. Like, he doesn't have half his face ripped off or, you know, missing arm. Like, a zombie would have. He just has a busted knee. It's so... I don't know why I bought it. But anyway. Hey, everybody. (laughs) I I didn't know where I was going with that, but we were just killing time. It's 11 o'clock comics. Episode 488. And I am a very excited Vince B. (laughs) You keep saying it because you're going to sell yourself on I'm it. I'm trying to you, convince myself. You are, exactly, exactly. And I'm so glad you're excited, Vince B. I am David A. Price. Woot. Oh, yeah, you are. And I be freaking and deacon because I'm Kevin Boing Thump Fennecal. Wow, keeping it real. You're not Kevin Fennecal. Junior, you are Jason Wood. That's right. The new, the new improved Jason Wood, who loves oh. everything and is happy. <laughs> that would not be the honest you Jason know, Wood. You know, you, we, we, we bust and we joke, but if you think about it, it's kind of sweet that people be all, be all up on me worried about that I, I was in a bad mood, right? It's very sweet. 
Yeah. Be- because for our listeners, our consistent regular listeners, a few folks pointed out that uh, I maybe hadn't been my usual self lately. And it's a little bit of an overreaction. It's not entirely untrue, though. Uh, it's mainly cyclical. Uh, if you go back and listen, often August is a ridiculously busy time for me because work is my busy. Birthday. Yeah, my it's birthday. your birthday. I'm always making a big to do about that. Uh, work is busy. Football guys is at its peak, so I'm pretty much working to you know two jobs for for the lack of a better description at that point in time, and it's just super hard to um, be jovial. And then this year, I think the difference was. In July and August, I generally have the least amount of time to read comics as to any other part of the year. And this year, as just luck will have it, maybe partially because Marvel is where it is and and also because, um, you know, sometimes it's just the way that things work. The things that I had time to read, as you all have heard on the show for the last few weeks, for the most part, have left me cold. And, uh, you know, you do the show for as long as we have. We've all had those moments where if you're not vibing on something... Every now and then it's fun to shit on something or to bust on it, especially if, if the other guys love it. But when more stuff than not isn't really floating your boat, it's a drag because you don't want to be the guy that's every time is queued up to talk is crapping on something because that's generally not what we're about. And then that kind of it feeds on itself, right? You, 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 you know that you don't have anything great to say. You know that it's going to be expected that you're going to talk about something, and then you feel bad because then you're torn with, well, do I want to be that guy that's hating on something again? Can I just be quiet? And uh, you kind of get caught up in your own head with it. But uh, but it's all good now because I read a shit ton of awesome stuff in the last few days, and tonight is for sure going to be dope. It's true. It's damn true. Yeah, and you don't have to embark on a long-winded introduction to get cheap ah, comic ah, books. You're all you get. All you got to do is go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can get your funny books at rock bottom prices. The list is up, my friends, and I have selected three for your perusal, first of which comes from DC. Yes, DC, because they are offering the Batman Shadow Murder Geniuses hardcover. I got my wish. This month, uh, $24.99 cover price includes Batman The Shadow 1 to 6 and a story from Batman Annual Number 1. Now, I don't know what that is. Maybe you guys could tell me what that was. The Batman Annual Number 1, there's a shadow story in there? I uh, couldn't tell you. That? Um, is it the current? 2000- I don't know. It just says Batman Annual Number 1. Uh, maybe there was one of... Maybe... um. Orlando or Snyder had a short because the 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 annual was an anthology, so maybe there you was go. A story they they told, or they're going all really? the way back to I'm sorry to um to 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 the olden days of Batman. Wow, and and there's a shadow connection there since he was pretty much very much influenced back in the day based of the shadow. Look at that, uh, written by Steve Orlando and Scott Snyder, illustrated by the remarkable Riley Rosmo. Like I said, twenty four ninety nine cover price. Jason, what can they have it for? Uh, three bucks. No, I wish. Right, I'd buy a stack of them. <laughs> you can you can have this for half price, twelve dollars and forty nine cents. Uh, from Boom, it is Eugenic number yes. one of three. Our boy Eric Donovan. Very true, and Mister James Tinian the fourth. That's true too. Uh, are embarking upon another. 
miniseries, which is said to be in cahoots with mimetic and cognetic, although I don't see how. You all uh, doubted me when I said that the other one was a sequel. You did. I we did, but but it doesn't make sense. But <laughs> any anyway, uh, five ninety nine cover price because it's a forty eight page issue, I believe. Uh, your price two ninety nine, and if you're late to the party, you can get the cognetic trade paperback at a discount as well. I don't know mm-hmm. exactly what it is. Um, and last but not least, this is a new publisher that I'm bringing to the table. It's called uh, Scout Comics, Ooh. and this book is called Infernoct. Uh, it is written by Mina Elwell. Artist is Eli Powell, and it says here, in the tradition of H.P. Lovecraft, there's the Infernoct. As Sam attempts to discover the real reason the people of her town are being destroyed, she becomes aware of a mind-rending creatures that feed off the sanity of their victims. That sounds like pure love crap. It's up to her to do something about it, blah, blah, blah. So it's a mini-series, I think. Um, maybe, maybe not, doesn't say. But it's a new series from Scout Comics. So I thought, what the heck, let's just shine a little light on this. Three ninety-nine cover price. 45% off. You can have it for $2.19. Discount comic book service, dcbservice.com. Do not mind late orders or order additions, and you get your books just packed all safe and securely and delivered right to your damn door. Get up off the couch, get your books, get back on the couch. Life could not be easier. You Go know there. it. Go there, dcbservice.com. Nice. Yeah. Vince. Hi. What are you drinking? Tell me something that's got caffeine in it. Um, it does not have caffeine, but it does have alcohol. <gasps> oh, yes. nice. In, in honor of our guest, mm-hmm. I, th- I thought, he's, he's a boss. I thought, well, if we have a boss on the show, I better bring it. I am drinking. I'm two-fisting it. I'm drinking Sam Adams Boston Lager. Okay. And uh, from New Belgium, I'm drinking Voodoo Ranger IPA. Oh, nice. That's right. All right. Respect. Nicely done. Uh, there may be caffeine in. Is there caffeine in beer? No. Okay. No. No, you're Not that I know of. Unless it's a Jason? chocolate stout, then there would be. Yeah, chocolate stout. Yeah. Might, uh, yeah, I am also cool. drinking the beer. Yeah. It's it's far less exciting of a beer. It's uh, it's Miller Lite, but it's it okay. is beer. It is beer, though. It's uh, It's really the only thing other than red wine I had available at the house, and I just wasn't in a red wine mood, so. Too bad you didn't have some white wine and some shrimp. I don't drink the white wine ever. <laughs> Never, ever, ever. But uh, but either way, I figured, got the alcohol. It's a classic episode, so we got to be classic, and I know it always makes Dap happy when we have a cocktail. So there we go. Doing my part. We're all bringing it. Wouldn't it what be you got, ha- Dap? Wouldn't it be hilarious if he was drinking like seltzer? It would be. It would be, yeah. So our, guest is say anything. Our, our guest is straight edge. Oh, is he? Mm-hmm. Okay. So is Josh Bayer. There you go. So is the I think so is uh, Jim Rugg. Yeah. Jim's very exercise conscious. Yes. Dap, what you drinking? We shit all over Dap. Sorry. We did. <laughs> uh, you think after many years I'm used to it. So the, uh, it's, there's, um, I had some wine with dinner and I was going to, have some uh, 
some whiskey because um, it felt kind of like a, a whiskey hand a night with our guest. Um, but I didn't really feel like mixing it, and I kind of wanted to have my wits about me. So uh, I am drinking some Stave and Steel Bourbon Barrel Aged Cabernet Sauvignon. Wow. Man, if there's something that defines you, it is drinking other types of alcohol that were somehow <laughs> thrown inside of, of a bourbon barrel. And we're back. We promised you all a big, big, big guest this week. Uh, this is a guest that is a long time coming. I think we first chatted up uh, with, uh, with the gentleman I'm about to introduce, God, probably three years ago at Heroes about coming on the show. Um, cause we've had a couple of his, uh, his homies on the show in the past and we're big fans of his work. And, uh, I guess for whatever reason, it's just been hard to ever make happen. And, uh, now he's got yet another massive world changing project that he's about to embark upon. And, it, uh, the timing was finally right. So, uh, p- very, very pleased to have on, uh, straight from, uh, straight from the 36th chamber of, uh, of fanatical studios, uh, Pittsburgh's own Mr. Ed Piscor. Welcome aboard, Ed. What's up, guys? Thanks for ha- thanks for having me on here. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Like I said, it's been a, it's been a long time coming. I mean, um, God, I, it, uh, I can't believe it's uh, it took that long, but but uh, better late than never, right? Sure, sure. I have to thank you guys too because um, you know call, call me ignorant, but uh, I first heard of the podcast when people started coming up to me saying that I heard about your comic on eleven o'clock, and I'm like was that um and i <laughs> dug into it and, and and figured out uh you know what was going on so thanks for having me yeah yeah no problem thanks man so um god i mean uh, we, we, there, there's a lot of angles we could we could take this um but you know i think for our listeners because uh you know all, all our listeners have different backgrounds and histories with comics um why don't we uh you know start back at the roots which is um you know you're from from Pittsburgh, or I guess a nearby town called Homestead, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, and and why don't we uh, why don't you bring us back to to the early days of Ed and, and how you got into uh, comics? Okay, well, like you said, I, I am from Homestead, uh, Pennsylvania, steel mill town. Um, the mills went away in the early '80s, and that's when my, my parents decided to have me. Um, <laughs> Crack cocaine was a big deal in, in the town. Uh, witnessed my first uh, gunshot uh, death by age uh, five. And Up close and personal? Like you right saw it? Like... Wow. Oh, my gosh. I saw the direct aftermath. My, my, my father said, uh, go run upstairs and stay away from the windows. So <laughs> me and my cousin, Erica, we ran right upstairs and went right to the windows. Mm-hmm. And saw the the cops standing over this guy that they shot, um, and and that sort of traveled with me throughout uh, throughout my childhood. Like in that town, you know, there was a lot of nonsense. So I stayed indoors and drew a, um, a whole lot. You know, we didn't have much money, but pencils and paper were always there, and and mm-hmm. uh, and so were comic books. You know, I had stacks of comic books forever. I like I was born into it. Um, I, I think, you know, my pops, he, he had me when he was actually my age right now. He was like 35. Oh, okay. And that would that would have been considered late uh, back yeah. in 1982. So he was stoked yeah. to finally have a kid 
and just uh, did everything he could to spoil me. And so I remember um, when I, like the first words that I learned to read uh, were from comic books. And I remember I, I, I would never even uh, tell you guys how I pronounced John Byrne's name when I was like six years old reading a classic X-Men. Byrne? Uh, did you say Byrne or something like that? It was more like Byron. Yes. Or something. Oh. Yep. 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 I'm right there with you. <laughs> That's right. Vince. Vince says Ma- Magneto instead of Magneto, so we all have our issues. It actually is Magneto. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not. Go ahead. Go I was a Magneto ahead. guy too, but I did change my ways. Nice. Okay. I don't feel so bad. Um, <laughs> um. So before I even had my first professionally published piece of comic work, um, I did way more than a thousand pages of comics just throughout my childhood, my teenage mm-hmm. years and all that. And every now and again, I'll post some new stuff. Uh, well, some new old stuff on my social media to just kind of show off the, the, the journey. You know, I really, I really like seeing cartoonists earliest work. Um, so it's sort of fun to, to share that stuff too. Um, went to the yeah, so you, school. Did you save year. it all? Did you just like? Did you like? I guess because I've seen you post that stuff a bunch. Did you just? Did your parents like just just keep it all from your room and stuff? Like, do you have most of it? Yeah, most of it. There's there's one tub that that I I, I fear is is totally uh, lost, which sucks because because um I completely redrew I completely uh, copied um, Dark Knight Returns one. Nice. Um, like some young blood comics, like all at the same period. Like these were all my influences, like mm-hmm. Dark Knight Returns and Chappie Apple and Teen Young Blood. <laughs> nice, Chappie. Yeah, we love Chappie. We bring up Chappie Apple in the jesting mode like once every couple months, and you just brought up Chappie. <laughs> that, that that's so funny. Like that dude is. Uh, I mean, he's incredibly important to me because when I was a little dude, I was literally twelve years old. Uh, there was an Entertainment Weekly article that said something like, "Rookie cartoonists can can make two hundred fifty thousand dollars in his oh, first right. year," and it was an article about about uh, Chap Chap Yap getting his gig at uh, Extreme Studios, uh-huh. and uh, and he was not, and he was nineteen. So I'm like, man, that's just a couple. Like I, I would have anxiety uh, at night, just like not being able to sleep. Like, oh man, I need to like work my butt off so that I could I could. Uh, join extreme studios and you thought you were going to stack up right you're probably thinking you're going to make fast stacks right well i just wanted to be in the game man yeah i just wanted to be in the game man like Mm -hmm. like uh you know was i I desperately wanted to be uh a part of the thing man like my dad he he worked in the steel mills and, and his his body was wrecked from uh just you know, just that that constant physical grind, and I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go that route. So that was a motivating factor for sure. But um, I don't know, it's the idea of a 19 year old dude like making really cool looking comics, uh, it just it felt attainable. That's the thing that those image guys like really put into the minds of my peer group of cartoonists. Right, because like I always get, I always get this for like in Rob Liefeld and <laughs> McFarland and stuff. Um, but you know, we, we we don't have to get into that right now. I mean, I I'm huge fans of those guys, but one of the greatest things that they brought to me in my peer group was this, and it's going to sound like a backhanded com- compliment, but it's truly not. Um, 
there was a rawness to the work oh, that, for sure. that made it feel tangible. Like, I, you know, I, I, to this day, I can't draw like John Buscema, and that was the house style du jour. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was deeply attracted to Nick Farland's manic uh, Spider-Man work. And, you know, there's like 20, 25 issues of Rob Liefeld's early comics that are just some of my favorites to look at, period. Oh, yeah. Whenever he would ink himself back in the day. Yeah, he's yeah, the Jack Kirby of the, the image guys, definitely. Mm-hmm. What, because what's that about Kirby? I think life, uh, Rob is the, uh, the Jack Kirby of the image guys because he, he was very creative with human anatomy. You know, like like Jack was, but it yeah. was more it was more important that the the art was alive and energetic and infused with with emotion than it was to be technically correct, and and that's something that yeah. that Rob and Jack both share. Yeah, sure, I I, I agree with that. Though though I would uh, you know, if my if you twisted my arm, I would call I would call Eric Larson the. the the Kirby of image, but I get what you're saying. Right, right. Um, one of the things I wanted to touch base with you on is, is you just mentioned it, the fact that you are a, a big Liefeld and, and McFarlane fan, and I know from speaking to, to Jim Rugg that they have, that he has a love for, for that period, and so does like Josh Bayer and Ben Mara. Like, that's what I find refreshing about you guys that are that are currently the 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 celebrated cartoonists y'all have a love for the superheroes uh specifically a certain period of time when you guys were were just getting into the comics you know and yet you are the money man at fantagraphics at uh, currently a a company that has been noted for shitting on superheroes for forever (laughs) you know like gary would gary would go out of his way to 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 you know during interviews he'd be like oh that sucks that superheroes that's just bad you know and yet you guys you're 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 the the celebrated cartoonist now like is it a change in Gary that Fantagraphics is embracing you guys now or is it a, a just a, a change in the in the company as a whole who's get, oh, is 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 yeah, is Gary getting soft or is it just Fantagraphics <laughs> I you know I can't speak for another man, but but um, you know you're a million percent correct. Uh, you know, and I I can't defend I can't defend it. You know, Gary definitely is not not into that stuff, and and uh, we just have to agree to disagree on those <laughs> ends. <laughs> right. um, I, I do I do I do remember. Uh, for the first two hip hop family tree books, um, there was a slip case and yeah. I made a, I made a comic specifically for that. And looking at it right now, it's, I call it, yeah, I call it a hip hop family tree number 300 ash can edition. Yeah. And it, I, I draw it in my best Rob Liefeld, yeah. you know, circa 1990 style, um, gold foil stamp cover, the whole bit. And it's about how, how Rob has like intersected, with important hip hop people um, throughout his his early career, and it's all true and factual stuff. But I tried to draw it in my best Liefeld style and all this, and I want it to be an ash can, like like those old '90s ash cans. And 
it was kind of my effort to, because I have a big hip hop audience, like the audience from, for hip hop family tree is way more steeped in hip hop than they are in comics. So mm-hmm. that comic was my effort to kind of show, um, rap fans, the component pieces that go into making a comic. Um, mm-hmm. so there are some pages that are just in pencils, um, some pages that are just inked the old, four color way of doing stuff. And then, you know, just making a parody, uh, color, uh, computer color style on the image pages. You got to kind of see it to get what I'm saying. But anyhow, whenever I turned that, the PDF for, for that book into Gary, he looked at it and just said, Ed, what the fuck am I publishing? <laughs> my, my, my apologies. I, I didn't, I didn't know if, uh, I, no, uh, you can, per- it's oh, fine. Dude, no. oh no, we're good, dude. Yeah. We're good. Um, we're, yeah. Okay, cool. but but um, that was that that was not paraphrasing. That's verbatim. He was just like, "What the f?" And I'm like, "Gary, trust me, trust me, man." Um, well, listen, that it was turned great. Out, it turned out, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, I, I mean, I was going to ask you this way down the line of the chat because um, because I knew you had some love for Liefeld, but since we're going that route, um, so I don't know how much you've you've listened to the show over the years, or whatever. But uh, but we've had Rob on, um, much like you. Uh, I am an unapologetic Rob fan, and one of the coolest things to this day of us doing the show now for almost ten years uh, is that uh, um, I, I've gotten to become friends with Rob. It's it's like still hard for me to believe because I'm again to the most of the world. I mean, no one knows who you know the guy is, but in comicsdom, growing up, you know that was my dude. So the fact that we're you know that 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 he considers me a friend now is huge. And, uh, so I, I'm wondering, like, since, you know, since you've, you've blown up on the, with the hip hop family tree and, and, and you've been out there, um, there's no doubt that you've been at conventions with Rob. So have you ever had a, a moment to, to one-on-one with them or dap them up or, you know, tell them that you were into his stuff? I mean, you guys ever interacted at all? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, cool. several, several times for sure. Call, mm-hmm. uh, talk to each other on the phone a, a bunch. Nice. nice. Um, yeah, yeah, we totally we totally get along. In fact, um, in fact, he, we had a conversation once and, and he mentioned, uh, he mentioned the idea of like me possibly doing Marvel work. And, and that's something that I never, ever, well, I can't say that I never, ever thought of it, but like in my professional career, it's not something I thought about in any way, shape or form. And he, it's almost like he put a battery in my back to like, to do this X-Men thing. Um, it, it sort of came from conversations with him. Nice. Um, because it was like, you know, he and I were talking and then I just put out this tweet where I, I, you know, put my balls on the table and was just like, Marvel should let me make whatever kind of X-Men comic I want to. And then, uh, in about an hour, the conversation began with, uh, Axel Alonso. Like, he was like, what do you want to do? Um, so, in a big way, this this thing I'm working on, um, X Men Grand Design, it uh, Rob is a big part of the impetus for me even being over there. That's moment. awesome. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me because Rob Rob is very energetic and very enthusiastic about. I mean, I remember when when you were showing off the ash can uh, for the hip hop family tree books. I mean, Rob was there. He was like, look at this. This is awesome. You know? And he just, he just seems to, he loves many, many, many things. And, and his, his enthusiasm is very infectious. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it does not surprise me 
for a second that Rob is 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 the impetus for for this X Men stuff or part to, of the impetus. To this day, it's uh, it's probably the least words that we've spoken on an, on a show when we had Rob on. I think right? we had we, maybe three words. Yeah, yeah, we, we asked him. Show. I think three questions, and we went three hours. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I believe it. I believe it. He's he's uh he he does have that energy, man, and and uh, he's very performative too. Like in person, like he's you can tell that he's a visual thinker, man, because. He's pretending to like hit cash register buttons and like you know what I'm saying he's like a <laughs> like a pantomime or something. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, so the 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 tweet in question I'm I'm looking at it right now is back in October 2015. You said it would take 300 pages, but I have a way to combine the first 300 issues of X Men into a complete satisfying tale. Now, first of all, mad props because as someone who likes Twitter. Uh, there's probably a lot of of, uh, of of curating to get that into 140 characters. So props there. Um, but uh, yeah. but so you sent that out, and then so basically for you know a year and a half, this has been in the works because this became official at San Diego what uh, a couple weeks ago now, maybe a month ago. Um, but no, but yeah, it's been in the works for true. a long ass time. So when did it become serious? Like when did it, I know you said that that night you kind of started talking to Axel, but when did you you know have like the meeting and you were like, oh man, this is about to go down. Um, well, it was, it was very rapid. You know, I, I, there was a tweet right before that, that 300 page thing, uh, that was the one full of bravado I I described. (laughs) And that's when the conversation started. And then, um, he got back in touch with me fairly rapidly and said, uh, can you do it in 240 pages? And, and I said, I said, yes, of course. Um, it took, it took another couple months. For, their, for them to negotiate. So, like, here's the thing. It's cool that it happened, and it's really fun to work on, but I wasn't, like, I don't need this in a way. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. uh, if it happened, it happened. If it didn't, it didn't. Um, but in, in, like, January last year, um, I was in Denmark and uh, teaching some workshops and, and got the contract. Um, it was, it was pretty much a go. They just needed to get a couple more approvals. Um, so I was already preparing I spent a month just, um, copying a bunch of my favorite X-Men artists, just doing, copying whole pages, just trying to capture that spirit, trying to figure out these characters' costumes a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I basically started putting pen to paper, you know, drawing page one in about March last year. Um, so however many months that is, and, and right now, uh, just before I, um, picked up the phone, I'm on page, uh, 112 of 240. Wow. You're a workhorse, man. You just don't stop. What is, what are you? So, so that, what is, what is your workday like? Um, it's, uh, constant. <laughs> so, so what time fact, do you wake uh, up? What time do you stop working? I mean, just when your hand cramps up and you're done or do you have a set schedule? I'm no just... set schedule. Okay. I sleep, I sleep as much as I need. Um, you know, like I said, I'm 35 now, man. So I really can't be pulling all nighters the way I, I used to be. Um, so I, so it's, my schedule is liquid, you know, like, uh, I sleep for how much, however long I need, and but when I'm awake, and when I'm in Pittsburgh, and when I'm at home, I'm working. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, it, it, it got so intense for a while. Um, 
at the late part of uh, last year and early part of this year that I basically sequestered myself away from almost everybody. You know, we had snows and stuff. Um, so I was just like, yeah, I don't even need to like leave the apartment, you know, like just bunker down. Um, and there were, I had this huge work binge for, for months for like most of, I don't think my feet touched snow, uh, at all this winter. And there was a lot of snow. Um, Uh I noticed that I went to, I went to France, um, in, in February of, uh, or in late January this year. And I got really sick out there. Uh, with like the flu and then I went to heroes this year and I got really sick the last day. So I was like, I think I compromised my immunity just by oh, staying right. away from, <laughs> from my outside germs. And stuff. So I started working in cafes a lot lately to just try to build up some resistance or something. Nice. If that is in yeah. fact what I did to myself, yeah. but, yeah. but uh, it's constant. Like, like, dude, if I, if I, uh, if I hit the lottery, I would still be grinding this exact same way. Um, comics is just super fun. It's what I like to do. It brings me a lot of pleasure. Um, it's more fun to make something for me than it is to like watch TV or whatever else a person does. It's just kind of what I do. I, uh, I saw a video interview of you. I don't remember when it was a little bit ago, but, and you were part of it, I think was filmed in your crib and you were, you were busting on yourself saying that, uh, like people come over and they're kind of like, like you were saying, like, I think I'm paraphrasing, but you were saying like creators come over and they get it. But then like when you had the ladies over or other people that aren't in the business, they're kind of like my dude, like, <laughs> like, can you, can you throw some decorations up in here? And, and, and you were saying it's like very utilitarian. Cause it's just like a, a Zen workshop. Like, is that, is that still the case? Or have you like, have you like gotten some, have you hit some bed bath and beyond? Yeah. Do you, do you hit up here one or <laughs> it, um, when when they came by to interview me, it was I've been in this place for about a year, and I still didn't unpack. Basically, um, <laughs> hip hop hip hop family tree was was a real grind. Um, super fun, but I gave myself this deadline every Tuesday to put up a new strip. Yeah, and I didn't have any ba- backlog, uh, and I traveled the world. You know, I visited several continents, and and. Um, did a lot of stuff besides the comic. Um, but I still turned it in every Tuesday. Um, so you know what, man, I just didn't unpack stuff and, and, uh, and you know, I, I can't, I can't defend myself. My place was very, very, um, it just looked like I was, I was moving rather than living there for months and months and months. But is it tightened uh, right now though? It, you got, you, know, you got it hooked up now? It's, I mean, it's okay. It's okay. Right. But, you know, I just did. I just did a, um, another big like secret project, like outside of comics. It's going to come out like in uh, September, and now I could get serious about like buying a crib, so I don't have to be too lived in here. And that's the thing, you know, I'm a renter, so it's not like I, this place is cool, but but it's not a home. Like I can't be banging too many nails into walls or whatever. Yeah. So this the secret project you can't announce though you're, you're, we're not going to get breaking news right here like you're saying it's, it's secret and it can't it's not going to be unveiled until September is that what you're saying? Well, it's not even like it's it's it'll be like a freebie thing like yeah I really shouldn't have said anything but um, <laughs> breaking yeah, news like, like it, it, it gets revealed to the world in September I, like for the past basically the whole summer 
I've been working 16-hour days, like eight hours X-Men, eight hours this other thing. Okay. And wow. I, just, I just wrapped it up. So it's like I feel like I have all the time in the world. You know, and that's why right. we scheduled this talk today rather than last week. Cool. Because um, my time was like so regimented down to like, down to like how long I could spend for, for, for dinner and junk like that. Um, That's cool. You know, you're an anomaly because you're a creator, not a consumer. Most of us are just consumers. We sit around waiting for the next thing to pop up, watching this show, buying this comic, reading this book. You know what I mean? You're And you're on the grind. You're creating. That's so refreshing. You're making you know, stuff, it's, man. It's, it's what's fun for me. Um, it's, you know, I have a lot of nervous energy. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the X-Men thing, they, they did make the announcement how you know a week or two ago at um yeah. San Diego and the way that they described it isn't exactly the way I would have described it um because they call it a six issue mini series and and then you the readers and fans discover that it's going to take 3 years and and um and it starts this whole hoopla online where I have to address a lot of questions about that and I'd like to address it because because um, I do understand that the readers are stoked and like waiting for the n- new thing, and why why do we have to wait three years for the whole you know grand design thing to come out? Um, the way that I would have have presented it to everybody, and the way that it actually is going to be, it's more like a trilogy a trilogy of like call them two issue miniseries or something, or a trilogy okay. of two issue arcs. That's what it is. Um, and there will be a book a year. Um, you know, one issue will come out in December. Another issue will come out in January. A book comes out in April. Wash, rinse, repeat for two more years. Um, it's basically still Hip Hop Family Street Pace. Like, I could do I could do about 80 to 90 pages in a year. Um, full color, all that kind of thing. You know, and still, like, have time to do the research and 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 curate the whole narrative yeah um, and then these you know these things take time so that's what it is um mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy to to speak to you guys and kind of put it out there that way because i started to get a lot of questions like man why are you so slow and huh. all oh, kinds of stuff meanwhile you've been working on it for a year already i mean and you've been already and, cranking and it you're up. doing your 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 writing your drawing your coloring your letter it's not like you're just you're you're writing it and handing it off to someone else or you're waiting for the writer yeah. to do the script i mean you're yeah. you're, yeah. you're you're leaving I mean, out the, one one crucial aspect to what's that all of his stuff what? research oh absolutely. i mean there's, well, there's you know, a... i was just gonna say i mean i think that's the thing and again i, I we're kind of jumping in because uh, we're assuming uh, our listeners know what's up so let's just be clear ed is is doing a project called x-men grand design is it design or designs it's designs x-men grand designs where as he alluded he is uh in spite of being you know an, an indie maestro and, and best known for hip-hop family tree uh, he is uh, an OG uh, X-Men fan. Uh, it's funny, I, I read an interview with you uh, from, uh, from from Gary from uh, on the Comics Journal, and uh, and you have some of those pictures, like you were saying, from when you were a kid of you drawing X-Men. And it's uh, it's ironic, like fast forward to five years later to, to you doing this. But but for our listeners, this is going to be a project that Ed has been doing where he's got Neil OK, and he is going to be retelling in one cohesive story essentially the first 300 issues of X-Men continuity and as vince noted the the real from an artistic perspective the 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 crazy conceit here 
And what really makes it, you know, in all of the thousand plus times that X-Men have been in comics, Ed is going to be writing, drawing, inking, coloring, and lettering this damn thing. I mean, it's going to be his thing. And uh, that's pretty unheard of. It's uh, it's pretty cool. And, like, you know, uh, honestly, uh, Ed, we're all lifelong, you know, we're all in our 40s and 50s. Um, well, two of us are in our 40s, one of us is in our 50s. <laughs> um, you know, and, and we're all lifelong uh, you know, Marvel fans certainly, and um, and and I got to be honest with you, I've I've been down on Marvel lately, um, which hurts my heart. Uh, you know, I think they kind of have some issues. So I'm real happy to see this because this is like a creative injection, something that truly is unique at a time when I think they're really struggling with with whether they should be catering to the OGs and just keep us around until we all die, or whether they need to be doing something different. And so I love that they're. This is really kind of. I hate the term out of the box, but it's 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 unusual for them, and I love to see it. So I, I mean, this was this was a bit of cool news from Marvel at a time when this this Marvel zombie needed need some it. good news. Yeah, yeah. So so I think that's pretty dope. I'm, but go ahead. Sorry. I'm putting I'm putting a lot of um, responsibility on myself with this project, with with some of the things that you you've just said in mind. Um, it's it's important for me to make to do everything that I can to make this a hit um, because the comics that I like are auteur centric, meaning, you know, the complete vision of a single person. Those are the comics that I read. Um, and I always wanted to see what an auteur Marvel or, or DC comic would look like, you know, um, we had plastic man from, from DC with, with uh, Kyle Baker. I think he did the whole kit and caboodle. As far as I know, that's the only example in the big two of a single cartoonist doing a whole bit. And I'm talking about the lettering as well, because, right. because that's, I mean, that's, those are the words you read. Lettering is incredibly important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I know there's some guys who, who will do a bunch, you know, color, but they have other letters, whatever. Anyhow, uh, I'm doing did, everything I'm, not I to, can. Did, did Farrell Dalrymple do the lettering in Omega the Unknown? I don't. Uh, he did, but Paul Hornschmeyer colored it. Right. That's okay. right. All right, you got me. Okay, you got me. All right. And, 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 and yeah, and Jonathan Latham wrote it. That's and, right. And, okay. and even All even right. John Byrne, he didn't color his next men or his Wonder Woman stuff. That that was usually right. Glennis Wayne. But yeah, it's um. Yep. You're right. Yep. A, I mean, there's a million examples where where I there mean, are two man operations. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are screaming Kirby, but like you said, I mean Kirby Kirby created a lot of work, but he didn't letter. Yeah. yeah. Like Royer was on that stuff, man. I like I, yep. I love. Well, uh, by the way, uh, happy 100 to Jack, man. I think about Kirby every day. Yeah. And uh, I think it's so he's going to be a hundred. You know, that's crazy. That's, that's wild. That is wild. I honestly think that I had this delusion when I was a kid that I was going to get to to like meet him and thank him and stuff, but I just didn't get into the game early enough. Mm-hmm. Um. And Dude, it was yeah. it was at the end of an episode of um of the X Men cartoon on Fox that it said uh, in memory of Jack Kirby at the very end after the credits and my heart sank mm. so bad like I didn't even know what he looked like but mm-hmm. I saw that name and I knew that he was the creator of all the stuff and I'm like damn I missed my shot yeah well listen I mean, we we say all the time on the show I mean a couple times a year especially when we're talking about cons. 
and and listeners will ask us questions. We we owe. I mean, we're, we've always banged the drum about exactly what you're saying, which is that uh, you know if you are fortunate enough to go to cons, and I think you know in today's day and age there's so many cons, there's no excuse for comics fans not to hit one up. But but when you go to one man, if there's a creator there, a lot. I can't believe how many people either either are because they're nervous or because they're shy. They don't go up and 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 you know say anything to creators that mean something to them, and they're always you know, because they say, I don't know what I would say to them. I don't. And, and we always run like, listen, man, just go up and shake their hand and thank them because you just never know. I mean, I, I like you, uh, unfortunately, never got to meet Kirby. Um, and, and that's a super bummer. And you mentioned uh, John Buscema. Buscema is my favorite Marvel artist of all time. Uh, he's 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 in the, the Rushmore for me and I never got to meet him. Um, but uh, yeah, you just never know, man. Like that, that's why you always got to, you know, just take advantage of that to to thank your, uh, your 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 legends. I mean, Vince. You know, um, I don't steal your thunder, Vince, but but Vince got a chance to meet Cubert, uh, who I know you went to the Cubert school for a year before. But but uh, Vince got to to meet Joe, and he got Joe to sign his arm, and then got that tattooed on him. So he's you've got you've got Cooper immortalized in your body. So you know, I think that's that's, that's a statement. That's a statement, man. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it all has to do with that I, Tarzan uh, Treasury Edition. That DC put Word. out back back in the day, and I saw that, and it just as a kid, it just it reached inside, and it just you know massaged all the right places. So I went up to to uh, to Joe, and I told him about it, and he just, I mean, the guy was, I I like to think he was touched enough to, you know, we we kind of met on some equal ground there. Yeah, you had a moment. Which yeah. treasury man? The, the the green cover one or the blue cover one? No, the blue one. The blue one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Word. And that um, know, a couple it's years important. No, it definitely is. It definitely is. A couple a couple years ago, you guys uh, asked me about um, if I ever met Rob or whatever. And yeah. a couple years ago at a Houston show, I was I was in the middle of uh, to my le- to my right was Rob. Uh, he had a table there. To my left was Herb Trimpey. And nice. you know, I was in between these dudes uh, the whole show. And Trimpy was drawing his ass off, doing commissions and stuff. Yeah. And I've met him a few times, um, and he, his wife was really nice. She remembered me, and, and we were talking to because she would use half the table to sell um, like her her craft, like her jewelry and stuff that she would make. Yeah. And then uh, Herb was just um, relentlessly doing commission after commission for people. But he would have like he would just take like a little little bit of a break here and there and I got to talk to him and um his work comes up a lot between me and my friends and I got to like sort of let him know because because he just you know he was doing the stuff the stuff that he did with uh Josh Bayer and them I, I think he did that a, a, like a while ago you know but, like I think he did it way before I, I met him at that show like maybe two years right. um, I'm not not quite sure um but I sort of let him know like you know there are three or four stories that he did three or four things he did that come up in conversation a whole lot there was uh iron man number 39 the one the issue that he did uh overnight it's like it's like the the world it's like the first 24 hour comic Mm -hmm. um that comes up a lot uh his um he did a rolling stone magazine cover with incredible Mm -hmm. hope that to me is like uh, just uh, impeccable cartooning. I wish that um, 
Marvel would have just like let because it, that cover looks natural. Like it looks like that's what his natural drawing would look like. Um, but you know, to to just keep a job at Marvel, he has to do this other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he did this. He did this. Um, he did a backup story, and I think it's X Men Annual thirteen or it's uh fourteen X Men Annual fourteen, where it's early nineties. Um, the Jim Lee, like the Jim Lee hack style is ubiquitous. Uh, you know, like Alex Saviak has, has, uh, jumped off of the John Buscema thing and is like now doing his version of the Jim Lee style. <laughs> and, 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 and Trimpy was doing the same. It's like a Bishop story and he's, and he's got the, the crazy hatching and stuff, but his storytelling chops are so hardcore and his, um, his, uh, knowledge of anatomy is so strong that it's like he's showing Jim Lee how to use the Jim Lee style. Um, <laughs> these things come up, and I got to tell him about that, and we got into this like long conversation. Uh, I think it was maybe two weeks, um, perhaps a month later, that uh, that Herb passed away. It was like that rapid. Oh, it could yeah. have been that the next weekend. I, I, I don't quite remember, but it was really, really soon after. And I was just like, holy crap. Like We had a great conversation. Uh, he was totally lively and then i wake up and i see on social media like all, all this like r.i.p herb trimpy yep. stuff and it, it was ridiculous listen man i mean you're hitting on it right i mean uh we we were fortunate to meet herb a few times but like you said you just never know like um I, man, I just think about it all the time i mean these ogs you know listen i mean the average comic collector is getting older well i mean putting i guess there's always new collect but you know what i'm saying like the the hardcore like never say die collectors we're getting older and our, our creators inherently are getting older too so you just got to show them the love when you get the chance and uh you know especially if you if you have the opportunity like you as a creator us as as uh you know as i guess quote unquote press being able to go to lots of shows so you know it's uh, it's important to do that so so let's um let me just let, let me just roll back for a minute cuz uh, cuz we'll definitely talk more about the X-Men but but all right, so so you know you're in, you're in Homestead doing your thing. You know I've heard you say before it's it wasn't a good look. It was a tough place, uh, gang stuff. Like you said, it was uh, you know so you were doing your thing drawing. Um, but like you, there was never a time like you you you're doing what you always planned to, right? Like there was never a time, as I understand it, where you really planned on doing anything else other than making comics. Like it was just a singular vision, and um, you just went for it. So you know when did you? Um, like, was there ever a time when you thought, I don't know if I'm, I'm up to this or, you know, or did you have like the, the, the innocence of youth and the, and the hubris of youth until the point where you actually got good enough where, you know, at some point you got good enough. And so it all kind of, I don't know. I'm just wondering if there was ever a moment where you thought like, ah, maybe this isn't for me because it doesn't sound like it. Uh, you would be correct. Uh, like <laughs> it was, it was always the goal. There was never like, if you met somebody that I went to first grade with who I haven't seen since then. And you told them that I was a cartoonist. I don't think it would be a shock to them at, at all. Right. Um, I was always drawing, always had it in, in the notebook. My grammar sucks because I was drawing uh, in, during English class. Uh, but <laughs> it's funny because every, every decision I've made in life uh, pretty much is filtered through the prism of wanting to grow up to be a cartoonist. So that was even strategic because I knew that, that there were such thing as editors who would uh, fix my screwed up grammar. So, mm-hmm. so English class wasn't that important. Like trying wow. to figure out how to draw biceps and triceps was uh, at that time 
more important uh, to my uh, to my education. Um, but it's always, it was always a, about comics. And in those 1990s Marvels, there would be the ad for the Kubert School with that Brandon Vietti dude standing there who was like the... Oh, yeah. He got the first uh, scholarship and he's standing there with Spider-Man, the first Marvel scholarship or whatever it was. And he's standing there in a B-boy stance with uh, Spider-Man outside of, mm-hmm. like, and you see the sign of the Kubert School behind them. Mm-hmm. I Like, I took that to my mom. I'm like, yo, mom, can I do this? And she's like, oh, that's like a college or something. You got to get out of... First off, you got to go to high school because I was in, like, sixth grade. And um, you got to, you go there, like, after you're out of, it's like college. So that was the goal, because I just, I'm, I think as a creative person across any medium, you have to ha- be self-aware. And I um, I knew that at, the, at that point in time, I, I wasn't professional enough to get work at Marvel or something. So the goal was to build a strong enough portfolio to get to go to the Kubert school, mm-hmm. the Kubert school, you know? So I went there in 2000. I lasted uh, only one year. Yeah. So um, what's up with that? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't what you thought it would be or, or like what, what, what happened there? Um, that, that certainly is part of it for sure. Mm-hmm. It was a weird time. Um, the, the analog to digital convergence was, was, was happening around that, that period of time. Um, and the Kubert school was, was really lagging behind um, technologically. So they were teaching pace-ups and mechanicals. And it's all stuff that, that I went on to use, but it, was, it, it wouldn't get you a job right away. Um, and I just saw like, the hustle of, of how, that, like, how these academic places, like, how they kind of create their business in as much as like, the really important stuff you learn in the third year after um, you already sink like 50 grand into tuition, you know? So I'm just mm-hmm. like, Oscar, this man, this is corny. Plus, um, I really mythologized the place in a big way. I read every interview I could find with like Rick Veach or Steve Bassett or John Totalbin. Like, mm-hmm. I was, or Tim Truman. Like, I was on my way to try to find. Um, my crew, man, my flying Dutchman, my legal gang, like a bunch <laughs> of dudes who we would be sitting around on a weekend, like brew a uh, pot of coffee and then just like do a seven page strip and <laughs> you wouldn't know who drew what. Like, like you know, like the old Frazetta and Roy Crankle crew. Like, right. like I was looking for that. And when I went to the school, um, I was there with a lot of cornballs, man. I, I, I'll be <laughs> honest. Like, like There was like a few dudes who who have some chops? Um, the people who are the stars of each cla- of the class, you don't even you'll never hear of them. You know, like there there might be like one or two dudes who's like a rank and file, uh, Marvel or DC or or just like in professional comics. But the the real people from my year who are doing anything, it's it's me and uh, and Jared Fletcher, who's like who, who yeah um, Jared K. Fletcher is yeah. a letter designer. Yeah, yeah. like. Like me and him, and we were not the stars of our thing. We were probably the youngest of of our crew because there were like old heads there. Um, we were the youngest, fresh out of mom's house, you know, and uh, <laughs> we were definitely not the best. And I think I think it just put um, we had blood in our mouths, man. And we're like, we're gonna destroy these dudes, screw yeah. these guys, because 
because uh, like a general Kubert school student can beat up any other art school student. You know what I'm saying? If you put them all in a in a in a in a bracketed fighting tournament, because they're right. like meatheads and shit. They're they're like <laughs> people who who um like big muscles and MMA and and uh, shit like yeah. You know, like they could definitely kick any uh, Center for Cartoon Studies kid kids butt. You know, because they're because they're uh, vegans or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, Jersey represent is what you're trying to say. I'm from Jersey. Well, so. I'm, no, I'm, like, kid, like, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It, 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 these people were like the antithesis of like cartoonist to me. Like I was right. Was so the vibe like, just it, it wasn't felt like I was that. Thir- yeah. So like when, felt- when you all right. So so you know you're here's all right. So let me. So you're 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 a dude. Comics is is a huge part of your life from jump. You're, you know, like you said, you, you, you mythologized that romanticized Cuber school is like the place yeah. that you're like, you get there. It's like the vibe is totally wrong. So you're like, all right, I'm out. I'm going to bounce. You, you go, you go back home. And then like, are you like, immediately, do you immediately think like, all right, man, I'm just going to start making my own comics. I mean, do you start like sending out pitches? Are you doing like, are you going to cons doing like art reviews or people like critiquing your work? I mean, how, how does it? Like, how, where do you go from there? Like, once you once you realize if that wasn't your vibe, like, where you know, do you immediately say like, all right, this is Plan B is is what? So I so I go back home, and I get a square job. It's like the last square job I had um, because you know I had to take out loans to to go there for that one year, and they give you like two months or something before that first bill comes, uh, six months maybe I forget what it was, but I saw like what I owed for that year. And I'm just like, wow, you know, I'm 18 years old. I'm not trying to like start my life in the red, you know, like some, like so many students do, you know? Mm. Um, so I just worked a square job at a call center for two years to, um, to just, I just threw, I lived at home with mommy and, uh, just threw all the money I made to paying off that debt. And then when it was paid off, um, I started to save some cash because I was going to continue living at home with mommy when I was, you know, 20, 21 years old. Um, and I was going to try to like live on some savings and really give like the college try to, to, to get into the comic industry, I guess. And I was thinking in those mm-hmm. terms cause I still had to deprogram from, from, uh, Qbert. um, and I was still kind of en route to try to become I, I, like a penciler or something. Um, I remember I, I drew some Star Wars pages and junk like that. Um, but then I started to draw these sh- strips using stuff that I did learn from Qbert for sure. Um, and like like at the school, there would be there would be like a class in lettering where each week you were forced to to spend three hours, you know, each week for the class to, to like on lettering assignments. So I got pretty good at hand lettering. Um, I started making my own strips, sending them off to the publishers getting rejected. And then I started sending these same strips to cartoonists whose addresses I could find in the letters columns, (laughs) uh, the letters pages of their books. And and Harvey P. Carr was one of those guys, Right, Um, the American's, the American Splatter flick was pretty fresh out. Uh, I guess, yeah, yeah, must have been. And 
and he was like he was very flush with with work um he was saying yes to everything that was offered to him and i was an eager beaver and he gave me a call and and that started our working relationship for about three years um i kind so of so you i know that you as, uh I, I, go ahead i'm sorry yeah no go ahead what's up no, I was going to say, like, if if I'm not mistaken, you you because um, because I know we we've already talked about sort of the love for for the Marvel and the X stuff and stuff, but but not like kind of coincident with all that though. You also were exposed to like indie comics, right? Like through, um, I think I think it was uh, a a documentary near to our hearts, comic book confidential. But like you saw that, right? And that, yeah. So so you were kind of like you were re- you were digging the superhero stuff, but to Vince's point, you also were were also falling in love with or being exposed to stuff like PCAR and, 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 uh, and eight, eight ball and stuff, right? Like, so you were kind of, you were on both tracks. I mean, you were learning to appreciate kind of both ends of the comic spectrum simultaneously, right? Um, it, it, it was, it was more like trading one for the other. Okay. Um, so, so I really fell, fell out of, um, out of the Marvel thing, say like sixth, seventh grade, I followed I followed the artists I liked over over to Image, mm-hmm. and and that was kind of a supernova, where, you know, books weren't coming out on time and they're pretty infrequent and, you know, you you got what you could and and I went over there but in a very important thing like when Wizard Magazine came out, one of the most important contributions to that was uh this article called Palm, Palmer's Picks, um, where Tom Palmer Jr. would review interesting self-published and small press work. Um, and that's where I made a lot of discoveries. Now I did see comic book confidential when I was like eight or nine and mm-hmm. pretty much everybody in that documentary, we could call those people like my main influences in comics, Frank Miller, Eisner, Kurtzman, Kirby, Jaime Hernandez, Charles Burns, Robert Crumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but the stuff like this Palmer's picks article this is where I discover Poe Pope, um, you know, uh, Tyrant by Steve Bissett, mm. uh, Dave Cooper, a bunch of guys. So, so that's important. And at the, the very back page of Wizard Magazine, there would be this like little questionnaire interview thing. And at the time, like one of the questions that they would ask people like Paul Dini or Jeff Loeb or whoever, uh, what are you reading now? And the Holy Trinity amongst almost all of these people, it was hate, hate ball, acne novelty library. So I'm like, what is this? It keeps coming up in, in, in this little hmm. questionnaire thing. I have to go check that stuff out. In Wizard of all uh, places, so right? Been, like the, yeah. In Wizard, well, that, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, um, people like Gary, they, they, they poop on Wizard for what it was. And let's be honest, it was a way to sell Valiant books initially <laughs> seriously i mean i mean they, they were inflating the value of these valiant books right and 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 other books but buried in there you had i mean it influenced ed piscar it contributed to the thing that we we are now getting from from him like the the great work that's coming out of him this little shit little magazine mm-hmm. is responsible for some true brilliance right so i guess it was worthwhile yeah. Yeah. Listen, I I just put together um you know, I got rid of rid of my wizards when I when I was uh young. Um and I just over the summer I put together uh the first seventy five issues. 
and uh-huh. and and because to me, to me that's that's the good that's the good period. Um, with the cards or, or without the cards? Some 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 with you know some fully okay. poly poly bagged with all the, all right. the that's little cool. the little ash cans and stuff. But the first issue uh, I ever picked up when I, when I was in sixth grade was uh, issue thirty six thirty seven where it's the Rob Liefeld interview when he comes back off hiatus and he's pimping oh, really? um, Young Blood number six when he's talking <laughs> about his new style and and I saw this I saw this magazine for the first time in 20 plus years uh, over the summer. And it brought like, I read that thing cover to cover uh, religiously for years. And when I saw this and haven't thought about it in 20 years, it actually made me feel drunk. Uh, the, the, the feelings, like it was an emotion. It was a feeling that, that I can't describe. It's beyond nostalgia. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a, uh, it was a, it was a visceral, like, like reaction that, that really made me feel dizzy. And I knew what was going to be on every page, but it got me thinking that issue of wizard is my first trade publication I've ever seen because I wasn't a part of any fandom. I didn't talk about comics with people. Um, anything I knew, I, I actually don't know how I acquired a lot of the stuff. It must've been from letters pages or something. Um, but that was like the first trade quote unquote publication I, I ever saw. So mm-hmm. in his interview, he's talking about uh, Dave Cockrum and, and Neil Adams. And then, you know, I might've had a hundred comic books to my name then. And it's like, Oh, Oh, I have a Neil Adams thing. Yeah. He does this miss mystic in, in the back of this uh, rocketeer comic I have or, or whatever it was. Um, so I started to put the pieces together of like what comics is and who the creators are like from that issue. So, Wizard is is of great importance uh, to to me and my peer group. I would say, you got pulled out of time. That that issue just yanked you you out of time, brought you back to to the time when you that's were true. a kid. That that's almost impossible to to have happen. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it it requires a memory to be like twenty years old, to, mm-hmm. and, then, yeah. and then you get this like reintroduction, and then it's this crazy thing. So you, um. One of the things I love about you, Ed, is like you, you, you keep it 100. I mean, you like you're very honest about yourself, about your own work, about like other things. And, um, you know, I know you have uh, you have frequently couched WYSIWYG as like your first like like your first real book in the sense that, you know, which is, I think, probably jaw dropping for people that maybe don't know you because, uh, you know, again, I think a lot of people would look at it and say, wait a minute, this guy was in his early 20s and he was drawing you know, uh, graphic novels with Harvey Picar. And yet, you know, seemingly you have, uh, you know, you've, you've been your, you've been your own toughest critic about those books. Um, so I'm wondering like with age, you know, and and a lot more both commercial and critical success behind you. Um, you know, I was surprised to see that you were so hard on yourself about Macedonia in particular. Um, because, uh, I admittedly, I didn't, I didn't put your name. I didn't associate your name with 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 uh, that stuff when it was coming out. But but after I started to to love your stuff uh, through WYSIWYG and hip hop, I went back and checked it out. And I think again, you know, it's 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 a different style, but but it's quality. And so, uh, have you like ever like are you less hard on yourself about that all now, or do you just sort of take it as like you know you were a young buck and you haven't really revisited it? I uh, I am less hard on myself. Uh, that was a that was a very uh, interesting period of time because I was so young and any, any, uh, 
of the places where you see me being negative about it. I was still pretty young. Um, and it was, it was almost peer pressure or like, I was almost like following the trend of being self-effacing and I blame, um, I blame Dan Clouds and Chris Ware for, <laughs> for me and all my brethren doing that. Uh, because if there are these like exalted pros, you really, really like who do really, really strong work. And if they, uh, this was, this was the thought at the time. Um, and if they, uh, have trouble with their stuff and, and and they're not tooting their horn and all that, then who the hell are you to be proud of yourself uh, for doing this? But like right now, like now I've been in the game for a long time. I'm not saying this about Klaus or Chris Ware, but I've met a lot of my heroes. They're all fucked up. All <laughs> of them. Uh, in, 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 some, in some form or fashion. So it's like their baggage affected me at that age because I was still impressionable. Um, but now I'm totally full of myself. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> like any good hip hop mogul. <laughs> and, uh, you know, other, like, I, I really don't think about other comics professionals in, in the way that I used to. Um, I, I don't look at them as infallible. Sure. Because I mean, I you did, look at as humans at, now I, and, and, and colleagues versus sort of icons or that type of thing. Sure, sure. But like what I described is really what was in the air. It was like, damn, like if these guys are so tough on themselves, then I guess I must really suck. Um, but then you just realize that, you know, these are neurotic people. Making comics is a weird thing. Um, it takes a certain kind of neurosis to be able to sit sit there all day in a, on a nice summer summer day and, you know, in the page together. There, there's something there. That, it's, that attracts a certain kind of person. And, uh, you know, when they have to speak publicly about stuff, uh, it might come out a little odd. Yeah, I think you've... I, I remember you saying one time that uh, something effect, to the effect of, like, most creative types are, in your opinion, like, fucked up in some way when they're... <laughs> like, it gets them into being creative in the first place. And I thought that was really fascinating. I, again, I don't know if you've couched that view now, but, like, I, my, my father's an artist, Um and and I I remember when you said that I immediately made me think of the fact that like I don't think I don't think my dad is fucked up and I don't think that he thinks of himself as fucked up. <laughs> so I mean it was like no that's not true. There's plenty of creators that are just like like to me like being an artist is you know there's all walks of life. There's people that are like totally mentally grounded. There's people that are totally fucking crazy. There's people in between. Like it's just it to me it's like a different a different. It, I don't like I don't equate that. So like, but, but I know you did, you did have that perspective once, like, and, and certainly, certainly, you know, comics in particular, maybe it's even more true, but like, do you, do you still hold that view, you know, in the grand scheme of things? Uh, uh, 100%. And, but I could qualify <laughs> it with, um, with saying that, um, that I'm talking about a very specific level of creative. I'm not talking about, um, somebody who could just get by, you know, somebody who has a sustainable career. I'm talking about the highest level. You're a weirdo to uh, to, uh, to to push yourself that hard. hard. Like the, the watch that watch that documentary on Erge. You know, like he never like left the studio, but he had this like cipher character travel all around the world um, and did such beautiful work. You have to you have to be very giving of yourself to make the the highest level work in whatever field it is you have to be 
you have to f- completely give yourself up to 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 the medium um and then and then you get to be a jack kirby and have a body of work that approaches a hundred thousand pages um only a person who grew up in the depression who is also completely like full of ptsd can do hmm. that amount of work you know tezuka he's a crazy guy man like watch his documentary uh he doesn't even like hug his wife in the thing then like he he rarely he rarely is spends that right? time at oh, home that's, oh, with, that's crazy. He, he rarely spends time at home with her like he says it in the thing and then there's a part where they go to travel to france they gotta go catch a plane and he doesn't even sit like next to her man like Oof. like uh you know there's something there um but you reverse engineer the career of any and i'm this is this is film this is whatever like I'm talking about the people at the highest level because uh-huh. in comics, I absolutely know a lot of very like work a day. It's like punching a clock, you know, um, type type dudes. Yeah. Who who you know they they put in their time and they do the thing and they're totally like they got the work life balance and they got kids and they got the whole shit, um, and they're totally normal. But that is not what I'm chasing. Like I'm 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 racing down that rabbit hole of insanity to try to i want to die at a high level in comics like like <laughs> and, ha- and have um have you know be held in some high esteem or something right uh that that's that's a fun idea to me just because like i sort of i'm 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 a, I'm a child of comics like comics birthed me in a way so it's like i gotta give back in in as many ways and the best ways as possible yeah all right, so listen, let's let's jump into because uh, we gotta gotta save a good chunk of time for hip hop, but but uh, but a book that um, I probably read, I guess maybe three years ago. Like I know I got it from a to- like from Chris at, at a top shelf booth after I was seeing your stuff on the hip hop side, but but uh, I know Dap or David, he he just I think he just read it uh, in anticipation of you coming on. And Vince, did you just read it too? Is this the first time you've read it as well? Or did you read not it the, I, I read it in anticipation of Ed coming on, but it's okay. not the first time I read it. All right, so we're talking about WYSIWYG, which is mm-hmm. uh, your uh, again. I, I view I was about to say like your graphic novel because I I'm I'm holding and I read it uh, reread it in in the top shelf uh, hardcover format, but but I guess you know it had it was birthed in a different format, and then I'm seeing it in 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 its uh, I guess its most recent form. But uh, but yeah, man. So WYSIWYG, like like. Um, Knowing a little about you, I'm you know the story in and of itself is uh, a, you know a, a fictitious look at uh, at a at a at a, a, a hacker uh, extraordinaire. But but there are like you could see you could see some things in that work, man, that like speak to you know. I, again, I didn't read I read this after I was already familiar with some of your other stuff. But but like you could see the inklings of like some really masterful storytelling, like. You know, from jump, you set up as like this young kid, you know, this little dude, and he goes on to become this massive computer hacker. But like, he's you establish that like kid is all about hacking his way through life. Like he's a life hacker. He's figuring out. He's always on the grind, figuring out ways, whether it be to play video games or get food or get out of school. Like the dude is just uh, that's just the way his mind works. Yeah, right and, from the very beginning, right? Too, like yeah, thing on, yeah, yeah. on the bus, he's worrying about the hole punch you know with the star and it's like you could yeah. tell he's he's looking for loopholes and sh- and shadowy alleys 
you know back alleys in in reality where that that feeds into what he eventually does he he just tries to ape the system and and i i have yeah, like, to it, go ahead. re no go ahead i'm sorry oh i was just going to say that like yeah like if a person who who's a, who's a hardcore hacker mm-hmm. um they're just they're interested in puzzles um they're interested in like all humans in just like ease of living. Uh, so as a society, we have set up all of these different little structures that like, you know, we've created a lot of things to try to have some order. And, you know, I certainly identify with this mentality because I always, uh, find, find ways around stuff. Um, but it's almost out of just like ease of living that, that, you know, they find these like little loopholes around different systems to just to just live more comfortably or just out of curiosity. Right. This thing is done this way, but uh, but they want to know why nobody could give them a good answer of why you have to do it this way. So then they do it that way and it's way more efficient. So so, you know, then that's the, the route that they go. Um, just a lot of during the 80s and 90s, you know, laws are very slow to be created and, and change and everything. So, so these kids were, were doing things that weren't on the books yet, and the laws had to catch up. Um, and I just found that extremely fascinating because one day they're um, snooping around in, in, in NASA computer networks, and then the next day it's illegal and not only is it illegal, but it's like a federal issue. So now you're a fugitive. Right. Um, you know, now, now there's a warrant out, basically. And you, then what, and, and then you could get into the system to see that, that there's a warrant out. So then what do you do? You, do you sit around and let them catch you? Or do you read like some of those uh, paradox or um, those Paladin press books from back in the day to figure out how to get a fake ID and uh, disappear for a little while? So that's were you the universe that that WYSIWYG takes place in? No doubt. Now, were you? Because um, again, I mean, obviously, and we'll get to this. I mean, hip hop is as much part of your life as comics. Um, but were were you into that scene at all? Like, were you into computers? I mean, was it was was that a part of this too? I mean, did did you have some experience? Did you know hackers, or was this just more sort of something you thought would be cool to write about? It's something I had a curiosity about forever. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was working with Harvey Pekar, I discovered this radio archive um, of, of this show called called Off the Hook, and the uh, <laughs> the main host was the was the uh, his name Emmanuel Goldstein, and he's the publisher of Twenty Six Hundred Magazine. Yep. Um, before before uh, before podcasting was even a thing, like I was just listening to directors' audio commentaries of DVDs, and then I discovered this archive, this trove of MP3s on the website, and I listened to the whole 25-year archive of this stuff while I was putting Macedonia together. And um, what it did for me was uh, it made me understand what a hacker is. I identified with the mentality a lot, like the cartooning mindset, the, the kind of tenacity required to do comics. Um, is similar to the tenacity of uh, your your high level hacker who's trying to figure things out. 
um, so what what that radio archive did for me, it, it gave me it gave me a blueprint of where to start looking for more and more information. Um, and I read a ton about it um, just as a as a fan, kind of when I was you know bedtime reading or whatever. So then I accumulated this massive amount of knowledge, um, and I had all these notes. And I'm just like, there's not one other cartoonist who knows anything about this or anything close to what I know about this. So it's like, okay, I have to be the one to make the comic about it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's proven the case, man, because every now and again, there's like a, a hacktivist type comic that comes out. And I'm just <laughs> like, ah, 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 ah. I got to say, a, a lot of WYSIWYG made me laugh because that is my late teens, early 20s. Completely. Sure. I mean, the uh, mullet my, and everything. Yeah, my buddy and I, we'd be like, "Dude, I got another phone number. This, this is a new, a new BBS in like, say, you know, Texas or something." And they got great oh, so files. You did that? You did that? Stuff? Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, I would do that all the time. Yeah. But I wasn't malicious. I was like Gandalf the White. You know, <laughs> I, I wasn't doing the war dialing it. Like we would just look for files we didn't have. Mm-hmm. That was that was the sure. thing. And and pictures, especially like like JPEGs and GIFs and stuff that we didn't have, we would we would go for and text files. Like we were big on the paranormal stuff. We would look for UFO files, and and yeah. you know that was the thing. So we would hit all these UFO and paranormal bulletin boards, and then the you could see like with the the introduction of the the newest modem, like everything would change overnight. Right. And as as the data streamed faster, the files got bigger. And then, you know, um, we would download games where um, a meg would be like forever to download. But then games started coming out like like Doom and stuff would be like four megs and be like, shit, four megs for a game. Are you kidding me? It was just like a lot of WYSIWYG is is my life. And, And I was like, holy crap, like this is bringing back so many memories. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of outside interests beyond comics. Like this is always going to be my outlet. This is always going to be my vocation. What I spend most of my life doing. But uh, I'm cur- I'm just naturally curious um, as a person. So I have all kinds of outside interests. And when I when I zero in on something, I I want to learn everything that I possibly can about whatever subculture, whatever it is. And, um, but I also have this need to be productive. So it's like, I'm, I'm consuming very select information. Uh, it's for fun, but it gets digested and the output is a comic, you know, and that's, and that's how WYSIWYG happened. That's how hip hop family tree happened. And frankly, that's how this X-Men thing, uh, is, is happening because it's like all the information is in there. I've, I've absorbed it. Um, I know it like the back of my hand. So now let me like present to you um, some of my favorite, uh, my favorite discoveries from this, that, or the other thing. Right. Well, that's what I was, I was saying in the first, you know, half hour of our talk here is that you, you seem to corral huge amounts of, of information and then distill it down to a, um, uh, a story that makes sense 
and and you 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 did it with WYSIWYG, like you said, you, you did it with Hip Hop Family Tree. You're, you're a chronicler of of all of this information. You're you're basically paring it down and giving it to people in a way that they can understand. In uh, when 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 Hip Hop Family Tree came out in book form from Fanta, um, I was a part of like this touring group of cartoonists um, who it wasn't, it wasn't an organized thing. It was just like, there were these literary festivals and I'm talking books, prose, you know, not comic book things. Um, but there were these literary festivals all over the country. And I just so happened to be brought there along with, you know, John Lewis and, and Nate Powell and Andrew Aiden and, and Raina Talgemeyer and Jean Lun Yang um, and, uh, you know, Pete Bag would have been there for his Margaret Sanger book. We would be bounced around all over the country. And the common thing that we had was that we were, we were just handling material and handling subject matters that have, that, that have never really been tackled in any real significant way in comics. It's like, there are all these chasms there. There's, there's all of this room to operate, all of this room to move, all of these different things that we can make comics about. And it's like we're just now starting to do it in a real way. Mm-hmm. You know, there were like rock and roll comics and all that, but that stuff is really garbage. Um, but then now, now you get like real cartoonists who have passion for it. They're not, it's not like they're being, we're being careerists or something where it's just like, I'm going to capitalize on the hip hop market and, and like make this thing. It's like, I live this. We, we live these comics that yeah, we do. Yeah. And, and, uh, we make, we make these, com- and then it's like, we get to have the monopoly on this whole subculture because everybody's trying to do like, you know, there are people trying to do their ersatz, uh, Mark Millar type thing or something, you know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're focusing on like, what would comic book readers like? And, and then like me and the crew who I spoke, who I just mentioned, it's like, we're, we're thinking about the other like 7 billion people on this globe rather than just, you know, the, the, the comics reader or whatever. Right. And there's something you just said that really uh, resonated with me. And I think it's important to, to mention it is that um, I don't have a a huge uh, or an extensive experience with hip hop but um you got me at least through your your artistic style you got me to the table to 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 read about these people who i i just i have no idea you know but in 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 all of the hip-hop family tree stuff it doesn't feel like you're exploiting the people or the music or the genres it feels like you're you're honest like there's an honesty to it where you're just like yeah and then this happened and then this guy met this guy and they made this and then these people made this record company and they were responsible for this and you know it it, there's an excitement to it that it doesn't feel like you're saying you know ka-ching i'm gonna touch all these people who love hip-hops not because you know i love the music but because i'm trying to make some money it just feels honest that that stuff comes like if you're if you're phony that stuff comes through 
And the unfortunate thing is in comics um, that people can make these manufactured things and, and kind of like strike it rich. So then that inspires others to try and do something like that. Mm-hmm. But if you approach a piece of work with like with honesty and with heart, um, it has a resonance that's way stronger. Like it's, you could build a career on making work that, that resonates. And then you could have like a single massive hit if you're just like, uh, uh, somebody who's contriving stuff. But right. my goal with, with hip hop family tree, also with WYSIWYG, um, I guess actually with, with all this stuff that I do on my own, it's like, yeah, I do have these outside interests. I do have these specific interests, but, uh, kind of like I still have that old like that 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 old Jim Shooter idea of like any comic could be somebody's first comic uh, <laughs> kind of thing in the back of my mind, you know. Yeah. So so it's like so it's like okay, I'm trying to make just a really cool comic, so comic book people uh, will 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 dig it and then they'll learn about hacking or they'll learn about hip hop culture, um, and then I'm introducing. Hackers, I'm introducing hip hop people into into the the comics idiom, you know, like what's happening in comics nowadays. Um, trying to give them a cool story, and um, you know, it's it's proven valuable. Like where you can bring, I'm very interested in creating new readers in 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 comics. Yeah, that's great. Um, mm-hmm. It's like comics is comics is everything to me. Um, I really wish that that uh, that my homies gave a shit about creating new readers as much as I do because <laughs> just 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 in in my world like I just don't see that as the case uh, for the most part. But then those people who I mentioned earlier, like who I would be shuttled around the country with, they clearly are are creating readers, right? Um, and and it, and it's awesome. Like if we each do our own little piece. Then we're, and we all bring new readers to the table. Then we can have a really strong, healthy um, uh, universe. You know, I, 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 like I call comics. I call comics culture. I don't want to call it a business. I don't want to call mm-hmm. it um, anything. Like to me, I, because I live it. I, I, I eat it. I breathe it. Right. Um, I don't have a living room. You know what I'm saying? Like I have thirty thousand comics in here. There's no room for a couch. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I live this thing. So it's important for me to introduce people to to comics, and that's that's a big part of my uh, my mission. You know, see, you, see, you're you're approaching it from a very healthy standpoint, and, yeah, and that's, I agree. You, so the honesty and and the the, uh, the there is a lot of heart behind it. But regardless of the the impetus behind Hip Hop Family Tree, it was very successful. So when, when you yeah when you visit the Fanographics office does Gary like roll out a red car before you with the dogs <laughs> and, and the rose petals you know what I mean because you basically gave Fanographics a gift. It's a great relationship that I that I have uh, that I have with, with Gary and Eric. It's it's you know when you do independent comics, you are in partnership with with these guys. And, um, and we, we absolutely butted heads early on, you know, like my, my book sold out in, in a day, uh, when it first came out and it's like, damn, you couldn't pump up that, uh, that print run a little bit. And then the second, the second print run ran out in like a week and it's like, come on guys. Like, I like, you know, I, we had my arguments with them and stuff, but now 
now we sort of figured out who's out, who the audience is, like what's out there, what yeah. the possibilities are. Mm-hmm. So, so um, yeah, old habits. You know, the stuff is constantly in print. It's constantly selling. Um, you know, life life is good. Yeah, so damn right. So before we jump full speed ahead into hip hop, um, a couple other things I wanted to ask you about Wheezy Week that have been on my mind. Um, so the, the the main character Kevin, um, I know he's like a an amalgamation of different hackers and stuff over the years, but but like, am I wrong? Like in seeing some of your own, like did you put a little of yourself into it in the sense that like uh, like you know like dude is dude is insular, he's he gets beaten up and stuff as a kid, like which happened to a lot of us, like a lot of geeks. So it's, again, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe I'm projecting here, but like, did you like channel that at all from like your own childhood or, or am I just like conflating that? Cause I know that that happened to you too. And it happened to so many of us. The, the main attraction for me to the hacker universe is, um, is that there are so many similarities to, to me specifically, but, more generally to, to the cartoonist mentality. Okay. That was the right. original attraction. Um, so there's a little, perhaps I would actually have to revisit it because I haven't uh, read it in the, in a, in a really long time. Yeah. Um, but, but the main character is actually sort of mostly inspired by, by a friend of mine who has a very similar name to, uh, to, to the main character, um, Kevin in, uh, in WYSIWYG. So it's, it's more him. It's almost like, I was uh, making this comic to try to like impress him or something. Okay. And then the other question is, and this is, again, this may be totally a left field, but like, as I was reading it, I was thinking to myself, I was asking is, is Kevin, Kevin is, in my opinion, he's either like massively mentally imbalanced and socially awkward, or he's like incredibly sane to the point of being so rational that he just lets all this crazy shit that happens to him like roll nah, off. Nah, I don't so, think it's nah. the latter. Is no. it the former or the latter? Well, let's go to the source. Well, when when you when you you, you sort of said the magic word, which which is logic, uh, and sort of like the most logical people I've ever met are somewhere on the the spectrum. Um, Aspergers or or, or uh, yeah, yeah autistic spectrum. So mm-hmm. he's more more like that, you know, because. I've met a lot of uh, a lot of hackers, a lot of the most notorious ones uh, in the country ever, and they they are th- most of the stuff that they did to the letter of the law was not illegal, but they did not factor in the human element of interpreting law to <laughs> in, in, into into the whole scheme which gums up the works a lot and, and lands these dudes in jail. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people on the spectrum in the, in the, in the programming high technology universe, because the logical nature of the computer kind of lends to that very scientific mind. Yeah. Well, there's no, the, no the, doubt there. I mean, I'll go ahead. Vince. No, they say the hardest page to read in WYSIWYG is when Kevin is going to meet Lisa and he, and oh, he looks, he, he he looks up at her. No, no, he, he, it's not that he doesn't have the guts. He looks up at her and he's like, look at the disappointment on her face. And she's clearly not disappointed. Yeah, she's happy. She's got a smile. Yeah. yeah and yeah. It's, it's almost as if he's looking into the future saying, you know what? If I actually meet this woman, there's going to be a, 
a point in time where I'm going to disappoint the, the shit out of her. So I might as yeah. well not even, you know, I might as well not even do it now. Just fuck it. I'm just going to leave and save both of us all, <laughs> the, all the all the trouble. And oh my god, I got a couple of days off school with this new computer. I'm having fun. So yeah. it's like right. That, I mean, it's, it's, that's sort of autobiographical. Um, and except replace computer with like the comic page, mm-hmm. and and that's sort of like my life in a nutshell, man. Like, like I kind of I don't I don't suffer fools really well. Um, so, like if I'm out and 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 having a good time, if if something something gets crossed up and and is a little bit weird or I, just the vibe isn't right, or somebody says something snarky or something, I'm just out. Like I'm like it's like, you know I. I am only on page 112 of, of my X-Men thing. Like, there's a big stack of stuff <laughs> to be finished. So, so it's like, all right, peace. And then I go back to my little, my little cave and, and get, back, get back on the grind. Yeah, I don't know what in I, I, I have no idea what that's like. The, um, <laughs> well, as, you know what? The fact that he's been with us for an hour and a half means we're doing something right here. Well, so, it'll jinx it. I'm not jinxing it. I'm just saying. Man. I mean, and I know, and, and I don't want. I, I know Jason is dying to get to get to hip hop. But uh, I mean, when I no, nah, dude, Wissy Week's your thing. That's this is what resonated with you the most. Right, so hit and, on it. And it's true because I, when uh, I'm, I work in IT, and and it it just, I, I read Kevin Mitnick's books when 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 he was released, and and uh, that whole social. Networking and, and engineering and 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 just the most simplest things as far you know because hacking can be considered um, a con game but the uh, everything that I, did, I I'm reading it and I mean just from the presentation of it with with six panels a page for almost the entire um, the entire story uh, and knowing how much research you you, you did you've done with hip hop family tree and, and what you're doing with the with X-Men grain designs, you touched on it briefly because of, of you mentioned, you know, you were talking to hackers, but how much, how much research did you do for, was it just reading things that you came across or, or did you just interview people? And, and, and so this way you could get the type of Kevin, Fenical you wanted to put in the book? Um, it always starts off with tons of reading. And certainly at that point, um, when I was putting that stuff together, I had I had no real credentials. So there was nobody looking to talk to me. Um, I reached out a lot. And if I had my druthers at the time when I started putting uh, my hacker comic together, what I wanted to do was... Um, there was a co-host on that off the hook radio show that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. His name is Bernie S and he's still a, a good friend to this day. Um, but you follow, uh, you follow a, a, a journey uh, through that radio show um, revolving around Bernie S where he's a co-host for a really long time. And then he's not there. And then, and then he's there, but he can't speak about a lot of stuff. He's just talking about general news and then the guy's in prison. Um, and then, and then he gets out like, and you know, he co-hosts the show from prison uh, a couple times. Um, and they had to, they had to do some hack workarounds for that. Um, 
and then he gets out and he's back and he gets out because he gets what they call a medical deferment, which is something that he nor anybody else I know has ever heard of because he basically, like Kevin in the comic, got his ass beat severely and then uh, somehow his his sentence got reduced. But anyhow, I wanted to do just a biography of, of Bernie S because he's an extremely fascinating dude. Um, and he never got in touch with me like in, 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 when I reached out at, in those early days, you know. Um, so I had to, I still wanted to do something, so it had to be fictional. So I compiled information, but then over time, you know, I got invited to, to Hope, Hackers on Planet Earth. Wow. Um, and I got to meet all of these guys. I got, um, I have a Kevin Mitnick business card, which oh. is like the, uh, the titanium <laughs> card that, um, nice. that you can fill up, you can fill apart and it's a lock pick set. Oh. Um, when, <laughs> when I went, <laughs> when I went <laughs> to Hope, it was um, the most historic thing I was ever a part of because, check this out, um, Julian Assange was supposed to give the keynote speech and then this, the Swedish stuff started to happen and we're like, he's being accused of rape and, and he, um, it was like, he basically ran off to the embassy that he's at to this day um, and but he was supposed to give the keynote speech and all of that happened within the week of hope, like right before then, um, Chelsea Manning was fresh in prison. Um, the, the collateral murder video that, 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 that she put out there in the ether was like floating around and it was big talk. Uh, Adrian Lamo, who is the hacker who, who narked on Chelsea to get her caught. He was walking around, uh, hackers on planet earth. Yeah. With a posse of security, I when I got my badge to get in, I was directly behind like ten feds who were like, "Yeah, we're with the FBI. Can we go upstairs?" And these dudes are like, "Do you have warrants?" FBI's <laughs> like, "No," and they're like, "Yeah, that'll be a hundred dollars a piece." Mm -hmm. And they had they had the balls to do that. Like, I would be such a bitch and just be like, oh, "Yeah, go on, go on ahead, sir." But they like puffed out their chest and were like, "Yeah, it's a hundred dollars a piece." So like, taxpayers pay for that, you know. Um, it was, it was, it was amazing, but you know, I got, I got my access to, to, uh, to these dudes so that I could try to do, do what I can to, to make this story as rich as possible. So did, did, did Kevin, uh, did, did the character, I, I know that there, there's some writers when they tell a story, it's, you know, it's all about the characters took me there. I had no idea where it was going. Is, did, did, was he, did you know exactly where you were ending Kevin's story where you were ending the book or did, did, did any of it just, was it organic in, in that, you know, you just, cause it, it reads very, um, I don't want to say logical, but it, it's just, it, there, there's nothing that's so outlandish that I, I, I didn't read anything in it and, and think that that's, that just seems out of character. Or I don't, now you're going way into the, the, the realm of fantasy. I mean, it, so was it, was this always your intent or, or did the, did any part of the story just veer you in a direction you didn't think you were going to go in as you were telling it? Um, it, it, it basically followed a structure that, that I, I saw from the beginning. Um, a big part of the, the project for me was to, was to um, try to take back the name of like what a hacker is. Um, there's a big media misrepresentation of, of, 
what hackers are, you know, criminals and such, people yeah, who are trying I think to that, get you that, passwords, like all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, you convey that strongly in the um, book, right? I mean, through through, well, through his through friend, some way, yeah, and yeah, uh, well, yeah, Winston, yeah, but well, through some way, some way, you know? obviously, yeah. yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah, like that, like that Shumway thing, um, and and the radio guy. There's this documentary called Freedom Downtime, and it's about how, um, you know, the, the thesis of of the documentary is that is that Kevin Mitnick is totally railroaded um, in his in his federal cases and. And the the Shumway fictional character from my comic is is kind of an ersatz um, uh, John Markoff, who was like a New York Times columnist mm-hmm. who was, yeah. who had who, who had he had book deals about Kevin and uh, wrote a movie script that where Skeet Ulrich like pay, played Kevin Mitnick and and basically the movie was fully completed before Kevin Mitnick's trial was even underway and in the movie he's found guilty it like it's there's all this like really gross stuff that like I don't I don't know how a person could sleep at night um, by kind of kind of screwing a guy over that way and just kind of like um, kind of muddying up the waters in terms of like trying to find a good jury and yeah. that's impartial and all that. Um, so so that's sort of where that that came from. But that, the whole thesis of the of my book was to try to try to. Um, basically just do stuff that that um that isn't outlandish like hacks that were done and were accomplished now these are to me they're still superhuman feats because uh this crap takes a lot of energy and um in a lot of ways you can't like understand like why somebody would take the time but that's sort of how hacking works it's like they just identify a puzzle that they want to solve and then they they bang on something a whole lot until they figure out, you know, they get the result that they want or a happy accident. There, right. there, there so was, when, oh, no, go ahead. No, I was just saying, when you were at Hope, were you regarded as, were you welcomed by the, by the hacker community? Or, or were you, it totally, was it just, I was, like, F this guy, he's, you know, <laughs> they yeah, let you so in. Like a culture vulture. Like, yeah, I, right, I mean, right. Like I was, all, I was already like, I, I've been on um, that off the hook radio show like four mm-hmm. or five times. Mm-hmm. Like I'm um, I'm I'm tight with all the the, nu- the nucleus of of hackerdom, you know, in 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 that land in that universe. Like those are my the generals are my homeboys. Wow. Um. So so even if like you know wherever you go, the thing is about making creative stuff is that uh, there's going to be haters out there. And it's like where I grew up, none of these like Gamergate type dorks can ever affect me because it's like I had to stand up to like real shit, you know, not just like not Internet talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, real thugs trying to whoop um, that ass. I, I think it goes, it goes <laughs> back to your honesty. The, your honesty is is bli- it's glaringly apparent whenever you talk to you or uh, online or in person you're just freaking honest and so there's that there's a veracity to to your you just took the word out of my mouth veracity you know yeah yeah like one work. of the one of the cool things um i mean this is a, a minor bit of subtext in the book i mean uh, but 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 uh but but cool for for us which was the at the end when 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 Fenicles on 
on CNN talking about WikiLeaks, and you know you got that little scroll at the bo- at the bottom of the TV screen, and you got you, know, you got yeah. you got rug rug implicated in a hooker sting, which is just hysterical. Um, you know you got Sholey exhumes Kirby's coffin, uh, you know, and a bunch of others. You got Staros and Warnock. You got Thompson and Gross the divorce, which yeah. I love. Um, Poor you know, just little, 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 you know, little Easter eggs to your peoples, and um, you know, I, th- I think you know, and I think I think I mean, as you know, we. Um, I, I guess maybe for the same reason y'all are friends, you know, we are big fans of like that whole crew. I mean, you know, we, 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 uh, I mean, I, aphrodisiacs to this day, one of my favorite comics of all time, you know, we've had Jim on a bunch of times and, uh, and, and Tom's and, our and brother, Tom's our, our, our homie. Yep. Um, you know, we've, we've had him on every time he's had a new project and, uh, and, and, and we've had, we had Ben on Ben Mar on a few months back and, um, you know, you're all you're all our peoples, and um, you know, I, I I think that you all make very different comics, um, mm-hmm. but like, and and so I am always curious, like like other than location, what keeps y'all so tight? But to me, the thing that y'all do, and Vince just touched on, you took the exact word, is veracity. Like you are true to yourselves. Like you, like there's no denying what y'all are passionate about. Um, and again, it's very different things. Like I think each of you are, are very different cartoonists, very different storytellers. Um, uh, you know, uh, but 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 you all are true to yourselves, and I think that's you know um, I'm not an artist. Vince is an artist. Um, you know, so my dad's an artist. I'm not an artist, but but I feel like as someone who's been a, a you know art and appreciation of art has been a passion for me. I, I always feel like like that veracity, that truthfulness or as a consumer of it is always like the X factor. Like that's always the thing that makes it great. Um, and sometimes you never yeah, know sure. what you're going to get until you consume it. Like as a consumer of it, like, you know it when you see it, it's like, um, it's like, uh, what's that old thing? Like, like you, what's pornography? Well, you know it when you see it, like, I, you know, like, um, like, I, like I know veracity when I see it. Like, I don't know going in when I open up the first page of the book, if I'm getting it, but by the end I damn sure do. And, uh, I don't know. It seems to be like right. a commonality between, yeah, like like excluding uh, Ben just because he isn't a Pittsburgh dude, but like between right. you know Shioli and 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 Rug, like that's sort of how that's sort of the Pittsburgh environment. It's it's like salt. Of, this is a salt of the earth kind of town, um, and people people can um, sniff out BS real really quick. You know, like everybody has a BS detector here, so you have to be authentic. And if you're not, you kind of get laughed out of Pittsburgh. Um, but to speak to like Jim and, and, and Tom, I've been hanging out with these dudes since I was 21 and they each have, uh, five and six years ahead of me. Like Jim's like five years older than me. And, um, and, and Tom is like six. Uh, so I'm like 21 and these are, these are married men, uh, <laughs> you know, married 27 year olds or and whatever, uh, when we're first hanging out. I truly looked up to these dudes a whole lot. You know, they're like my big brothers mm-hmm. and they already had their, their, their feet firmly planted in comics in some capacity. Like when I started kicking it with them and, and, um, they're a big motivating factor because it's just like, damn, I have to work my butt off to just even still get to hang out with these dudes every Wednesday. We, we, at that time we were kicking it every Wednesday and just like showing off pages and, and stuff like that. And then and it's mm-hmm. like, for me to even get a chance, a seat at the table, I have to work my butt off then because these guys are so good. Um, so yeah, the, like those, I'm very happy to be associated with those guys and, and Ben, Ben is, Ben is my homie, but, 
but uh, you know, we met in different ways. Yeah, much no later. Yeah, yeah. Dap, did you uh, did you have anything else on WYSIWYG before we jump into hip hop? Um, I mean, just that it's it's um, I I, I told the guys before today that I mean I don't I, I could just go on. I, I see things that at work that frustrate me because it's mm-hmm. and and I I see it. I you know, after reading Mitnick's first first book and it's just it's because of what I do at work and, and, and my relation to the help desk. And I, I, I see how, how lazy or how, how trusting naive or whatever you want to say people can be. And, and as I'm, I, I want to give WYSIWYG to so many people at work just so that they, they understand things. I mean, even though (laughs) some of the, some of the tech and, and, and the work Fennical does in it may be, Maybe dated or, cool. or just not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, the 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 bones of it still apply. And and you know, I I, I I I totally I'm I'm behind Fennecal to a degree because yes, I I totally get. You know, Winston says, "Why would you want that? Why do you need that? Why, why do you want to call Australia? Well, because I can. Because I want to. Because and that's and and we all have exactly. that that urge. We we have we want to learn. We want that information. Just because it's out there, we we. It's not that we we feel we're entitled to it, but we it, it it's like you know you're you're standing online at the grocery store and and you stick a Snickers bar in your pocket because you can. You're you're just you." You're not trying to prove anything. You're not trying to get away with anything major. It's just like I want to see how far I can take it, and and I'm 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 totally with Kevin, but actions have consequences. So for him to get arrested and caught, and you know, so I don't. There's not a lot of love loss I have for him, but I I'm mm-hmm. I'm in his corner in in the sense that yeah I'm i'm with you if if that's if that's available if 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 you want to see how far you can go then then i got your back but keep in mind that you can't you can't just be ignorant to the fact that uh, i'm gonna get away with this or they, they got nothing on me one of the things early on was that you know he's telling winston they they can't arrest me for anything this isn't illegal there's no law against what i'm doing because that that law just doesn't exist yet and uh it it's no, it does now, but it's just it was. Yeah, I absolutely love the book. It's it's definitely. Um, I, I did fill it out on the spreadsheet yet, but it it is most likely. I I'm kicking myself for waiting so long to read it, but most likely it's going to be my um my new to me on on the eleven o'clockers this year. Um, yeah, it's it's what, what, our, what, that's what, our annual awards uh, our award show. Right. David's talking about. Um, one of one of the best lines in it is is the the truest line the one guy says zork for free woohoo oh. like that's how that's how it was yes absolutely You're right. absolutely I, and by the exactly. way can i tell you that i swear to you on my three children's lives that we were driving down uh driving to see our friends on sunday uh, and i was playing zork on my iphone nice because it's a great game <laughs> yeah have you guys have you guys ever heard of um a documentary called get lamp about tech mm. adventures? No, but I I need, I need I need I need to be on it with the quickness. Yeah, it's it's very boutique. I, I'm just not sure um, how available it is because the guy like it's a friend of mine named Jason Scott who made it and um and by the way another person you shouted out on that page if I'm not mistaken. 
Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, I drew him in uh, on one of those panels. Um, he had he's the guy with the big top hat and the, yeah. and yeah. the goatee yes. and stuff. Okay. Um, but he's he's he runs a site called textfiles.com. Like that's sort of uh, where I got to know him and and stuff. And now he works for archive.org, the the Wayback Machine. Like he just spends all of his time like sucking up internet pages to 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 sort of sort of keep forever. Um, he made an amazing documentary called Get Lamp, um, and he's an early adopter of Kickstarter. So it was like a super, super early Kickstarted project, and uh, it's 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 it answers every question you ever wanted to have you you ever had about uh, text adventure games. Like one of the super earliest ones is called, uh, I think it's called it. Jeez, uh, uh, oh my goodness, I'm blanking. It, but it, it might be called uh, Adventure or something. Um, and it was a, it was like a spelunking, like cave uh, exploration thing. And he like even travel he travels to the actual cave that that um, that the text adventure game was like designed over. Like you, if you follow the route from the game, like you can you can see all the cool stuff inside the cave. It's really really thorough, and I recommend it, especially if you guys like Zork. No, no doubt. Uh, uh, Vince just found the link, or was it Vince or did? Yeah, it was Vince. Uh, Get it on PayPal. Yeah, we can we can buy it. We can buy the DVDs. I love it. I go to the the website getlamp.com and it says it is pitch black. You are likely to buy a DVD, yeah. so I'm hooked. I'm hooked because that's the shit right there. And for for yeah, our listeners, yeah, who, our listeners who are some young bucks, um, back before you had immersive 3D games that made you feel like you were in it we actually had to read and imagine what was going on. And uh, there was a company in particular called Infocom. Mm. And Infocom yeah. did a bunch of games, uh, you know, Zork probably being the most famous, but um, but real talk, I mean, so Leather Goddess is a Phobos was a huge one. But I am, uh, so I have a, I'm Douglas Adams is my favorite author. I love Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and all that. I discovered Douglas Adams through the, the Infocom Hitchhiker's uh, text-based game. Um, and that has totally shaped a lot of my life because I mean, of course I even have a tattoo of it. Um, but, but Infocom was dope and it was basically, it was text-based to, again, to our listeners that are, you know, the younger bucks, like literally it was, it described the scene and you had to use very simple, you know, text-based Boolean language to try and do stuff like go East, go West, pick up everything, look at this. And, and, uh, and, uh, you know, in today's parlance, it, I mean, these are tiny, tiny games. I mean, you can get an emulator on your iPhone now, um, I think Activision actually owns the rights to them, but uh, there's an app now on on your iPhone. You can get all of these games, and it's like a tiny little file. Um, and that's what happened. I I uh, I read Ready. Um, I don't know Ed, if you've ever uh, read the, that book, Ready Player One. Um, that they're trying no, to. No, no. Tom, Tom did. Tom, Tom uh, told me about it, man, and I've, it's sort of it's on my list for sure. Yeah, you got to hook it up. It's, it's Spielberg's making a movie of it for next summer, but. Uh, but it's it's a love letter to eighties and uh, and and Zork you know Zork figures prominently in it as well as a bunch of other stuff and um, so after reading the book um, that book I which I loved I, uh, I I was like man I'm like I haven't played those in a while let me see if I can find an emulator and then I found that one so I was playing Leather Goddesses and I was playing Hedgehikers and Zork this weekend and it's uh, it's just mad dope so so uh, and for all, yeah so anyone that's uh, curious man like you can download these these things they're 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 tons of free versions on the web and. Uh, uh, or if you want to throw some shekels to the to the company, you can do that. But either way, man, they're they're a lot of fun and they're quick. And but uh, but they're the roots of like honestly, they're the roots like the DNA of the things that like are multi billion dollar franchises now. 
You know, there would be no yeah, absolutely. There would be no Skyrim, and there'd be no Halo if it wasn't for Zork. I mean, there really wouldn't be. Um, it all kind of yeah, stems to that. A, a, a lot of the language, uh, tra- like tra- transcended the, the the text adventure game into these other games, and then certainly every like every scum game that like Lucas Arts put yep. out, you know, is yep. basically just, it's just it's just a GUI over top of. Uh, a text adventure game, you know, yep. except, you know, you could see the commands that you could, you could, uh, plug in and, but, you know, just before we get off that, like one cool, uh, thing that I never thought about in terms of, uh, text adventure games that's kind of explored in that documentary is there is a whole fan base of, um, blind players who, who, um, who kind of, they don't have games to play anymore. You know, like there's so many blind people oh, damn, that play yeah, these yeah. tech adventure games, and they interview a bunch of these people on this thing. It's it's really cool. They 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 have like one of those like, you know, it, it was like uh, what was that, what was that old school that little uh, red uh, thing that you could t- speak and spell. Yes. It, it, it's like yeah. the speak and spell voice coming out right. of computers, and and it's like it's like saying like you know you pick up the lamp, blah 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 blah. Do you go left or right? Like it's it's pretty cool. You'll see. Nice. So cool. Yeah, so this is dope. Get Lamp. Uh, I'm definitely on it. It's, it's not on Netflix, unfortunately, but uh, but the DVD is super cheap. So, um, All right, man. So so listen, I, uh, all my, 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 my day life, my day job uh, is I'm an investor. And uh, one of the best investors of all time, a dude named uh, Peter Lynch, he uh, founded Fidelity. And um, like the Peter Lynch principle is this idea that the best investors and the best investments – are when you invest in things that you know really well and are passionate about. And, uh, you know, if I look back at your career at this point, like it's, it's, I'm sure for you it was a tremendous amount of years and hard work and, 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 and all that. But like when you, when you like, if I was writing the, the, uh, the Ed Piscor documentary, like you got the rarest of opportunities to gain fortune and notoriety by combining the two things you were most passionate about together. Like there can't be many people on earth that have gotten a chance to do that. And that's what you got to do with hip hop family tree. Yeah. Like, um, I'll agree with you and, and I'll, uh, I'll appreciate the compliment, uh, with the caveat that, uh, we all have the chance to do it. It's just, people don't seize it, man. It seems it's like so mm-hmm. clear to me. Uh, I've, you know, I've, I've designed my career. Like mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. exactly where I expected to be right at this moment. The way hip hop played out, like people ask me, are you surprised that this took off? And, and I'm frankly not, I'm really not surprised. Hmm. Um, and I have plans. Like, like the reason I'm doing this thing, this X-Men thing, like there are future things that I'm working towards that this is going to benefit. Like it's all designed, you know? Um, but once again, like we talked about a little bit earlier, I get to meet a lot of my heroes in, in comics and I see a lot of mistakes that they make. Um, I'm, I'm for Fanographics right now. I'm doing an introduction for the next volume of their, uh, what is it, the, the life and legend of Wally Wood. So volume two of that, I'm doing an introduction. Cool. And, um, and you know, Wally Wood is the greatest cautionary tale uh, in, in all of comics. Um, 
and when I when I read the second volume of, of, of this thing, um, I see everywhere he screwed up. You know, he could have had a much more successful life if he would have just like gone right instead of left at this moment. And mm-hmm. and um in the same way that I study art and the mechanics of telling the story on paper, I kind of study careers too. And I'm not trying to make the mistakes that, that my heroes have made because to me, they should all be um, super, super uh, well off and comfortable and able to choose their spots and, and what they do. And they frankly can't. And, and uh, I could see it's their own limited thinking, um, their own kind of internal glass ceilings that prevent them from doing that stuff. And mm-hmm. It's just like I sort of vow to not be that guy. I mean, uh, I definitely appreciate that. You know, I, I think that uh, that that's a that's a confident statement. You know what I mean? Like, and um, if you were to go back and listen to our show years ago, uh, and I'm sure these guys are much happier for it because uh, of what because of the slings and arrows of my day life, I, I I talked about the business of comics a lot more than I do now. Um, mm-hmm. And frankly, I'm happier as a. Um, I just want to be a fan of comics, so I, I found actually found yeah. I'm, I'm I'm a I'm much happier to not think about the business of it as much as I used to, uh, especially because I'm not in the business of it. So I'm like, well, fuck, I'm just I'm a fan, so let me just be a fan. But that being said, um, you know, I do notice it's just a it's a it's just a occupational hazard. I do notice the dudes that I think are on the grind, and and you know, I don't necessarily mean like just the dudes that are getting paid the most or something, but I mean like the dudes that you know this is something that yeah you're good at it and it's something you want to do but like there's another level like you you know whether it's innate or it's planned or it's learned you know you guys you you've got a plan like like we're good we're three of us are good friends with with scotty young and scotty's on the show a lot he's often our guest our you know our fourth our fourth seat and uh, you know scotty takes care of his business like for for as much as scotty's fun loving and and uh you know so like like he the thing people maybe don't know is like he handles the business side of it like a boss uh, and he just has a yeah. natural knack for it. And, um, you know, I don't know you as well, but it seems to me like you kind of do too because you just get that part of the game. You know, the game is meant to be, you know, played. Um, and uh, But but that said, though, like, what I'm asking is, like, I, you know, you got to create a comic about hip-hop. And I'm sure, listen, I mean, we know, I mean... I, the, the people of our age, there's a million of us or a ton of us are into comics and, and into hip hop, um, no doubt. But like, but I don't know that many people in the biz that were hip hop fans would have had the knowledge and the confidence to become sort of the definitive authority on the history of hip hop, which, you know, and I don't even know if you were setting out to be that, like if you realized that's what you were going about to become. But like, you know, you are at this point, I think you've crossed over where like a lot of mainstream media outlets kind of view you as like one of the the OGs of hip hop history. Like putting aside that you make comics about it. Like they like they, they view you as like, oh Ed Piscor is a dude that like I have a question about the history of hip hop I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Ed to come on the show. So like were you like did you always want to make comics at some point in your career about hip hop? Um or, you know, and if so, like was it always sort of like, well I'm gonna I'm a historian of the, and I wanna I wanna I wanna categorize the history or or was it more serendipitous than that? Um, 
when it when it comes to to rap music, when it comes to hip hop, uh, I am a big fan of all aspects. So I like the fashion, I like the aesthetic, I like uh, you know old school New York, and I always planned to have to make some kind of comic that existed in inside of a, like a hip hop ecosystem or something. I, I didn't know what I wanted that comic to be because my ideas of what comics were at a certain point was like, you know, you have to have a proper Aristotelian three act uh, <laughs> story or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I literally woke up on New Year's Day uh, after having a ton of fun, New Year's Eve, um, January 1st of like 2011, maybe 2012. I know it was like 2012 probably. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, you know, I'm quite sure I know at least as much about hip hop as anybody in comics. Um, I might know more, you know, <laughs> and, and, but I don't, but I don't know everything. And I am curious and I've always read about it, but let me like do a focused, you know, binge session or something. And I just started grabbing all kinds of books and, um, you know, absorbing everything I could. And I had a really amazing piece of real estate on, on boing, boing.net really good website has a big readership of, you know, a couple million people, like five, six million people a month. Um, and they let me do a weekly strip. And for months, I was just doing all kinds of different little weird things. Um, but, you know, on on January 9th of that year, the first Hip Hop Family Tree Strip went up. And it had a subtitle that said something like uh, a semi-regular feature about the propagation of a culture. Because the idea was these things are hard to make. Uh, there is a lot of research involved. There's a there's so much work on the back end that you just don't see that there's no way I could do this every week. Um, it was an incredible amount of fun. It was super fun to put together um, that first like three page strip to the point that I put it online and I actually left the house. I went to go hang out with Tom. We got, we got some sushi <laughs> and all that I could talk about was like, man, I'm trying to put, I'm putting this off because I really want to go home after this and, and just see that uh, people are excited about it because it was so fun. I really like doing it, and I kind of want to do another one. And, when you know, when I got home, um, thousands of retweets, um, thousands, like tens of thousands of people sharing it on, uh, on Facebook in the span of like an hour and a half of the thing being live. Um, so that That's let awesome. me know that there's an audience for the thing. But all that I'm ever set, setting out to do is to try to make the best comics I can. So um, it's nice when, when people say that, like, I'm some kind of, some kind of authority or something, but, but I honestly and truly don't, don't feel that way. But what makes me more proud is that, um, is that these people in these, in these bigger venues and, and um, you know, these places from outside of comics, the fact that they would call a comic book person or 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 reference a comic book as an authoritative text or something that's super cool mm-hmm. you know I love that because because it's it's more legit 
more legitimacy to um, the coolest art form in, in existence. So that's a cool thing. You know what? Uh, I think it's a natural byproduct for anything you choose to do. That that authority that authority that you you're being uh, looked upon as like with the hip hop. You you just love stuff and throw yourself into a topic head first that the 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 authority just comes out of it because you're you just you're like the consummate um you live and breathe this stuff is what i'm trying to say and you you could see it with WYSIWYG, you can see it with um hip-hop and we're probably going to see that with the x-men stuff where it's just like you just devour all of this information and 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 put it back out in in a a logical straightforward manner that reads like a treatise on whatever it is you're talking about i i call myself a very enthusiastic student um but certainly when it comes to the hip-hop stuff i don't like to say that i'm an authority or anything like that because you know 95 percent of these people are still alive they're the authorities you know what i'm saying um I'm I'm a I'm a intense uh, student, um, well studied, and you're essentially reading um, my thesis or something. You know, you're reading you're reading my essay. You're reading my homework. Right. So, all right. So, so um, when you wrote the first one, and I'm assuming, I mean, it was you know you the first. First page of of it was it was the coke it was uh it was uh it was the cool Herc stuff, um, yeah, and Coke Rock. Um, like you were already obviously aware of that. Like it wasn't like because I'm trying to get a sense of like how much of this already was in your head. And then when you say you were researching, it was more like let me make sure I got it all right. Fill in the blanks. I mean, because like I'm imagining like when you sat down to do the the the, the cool Herc story on Sedgwick, like that like that was. Like you just knew that to be to be the way like the way it was, right? Like you did, like, and then, like, I, I like was it was there a certain point in the book where you were like, all right, I got to start doing more research, or like I got to double check, or was the research always more about just like making sure you already had the, the stuff right? Um, well, I'm just I'm trying to like get a sense of like how much of it was like stuff you were teaching yourself for the next panel, or stuff you were just kind of like reinforcing. You already thought you knew it, but you just wanted to make sure you had it exactly right. Um, whenever I whenever I was like well into making this, people started to use the word journalist uh, when they were talking about me. And mm-hmm. I was like, what does that even mean? And, and I, and I kind of Googled it and just saw sort of like what the, the rubric of what it is to be uh, a journalist or, or whatever. This is the, the rules of the game. And I mean, I would, you know, I would multiple- characterize this as journalism. I mean, I, again, I don't know if you, if you agree, but I would, if I were describing it to I someone, accepted- I would. Yeah, I totally accepted it after I figured out, after I just saw in front of my face like what it means to be a journalist specifically because it's just mm-hmm. never something I thought about. And um, you know, one of the one of the load bearing pieces of being a journalist is uh, is citing multiple sources, um, or you know, using multiple sources for for whatever it is you're you're covering. And I certainly would do that. Like there is, there isn't one panel that it's just like where I'm just kind of like putting something down that I remember or something. It's like, I need, especially like I was putting these strips 
online every Tuesday for four and a half years um, on Boing Boing, highly trafficked site, and it's the internet. You, you guys, I'm sure you know that people are very happy to anonymously tell you that you did something wrong in the comments <laughs> or something. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I just want to be bulletproof to that. So there isn't Teflon anything that I, that I made up uh, or just... if I mean, there are a few things where I took artistic license, and there's like a little Chester Gold-like Dick Tracy caption with an arrow pointing to the thing, and I... And I write artistic license because that's me stealing the thunder away from some neckbeard twerp who's like, it did not look that way or, or you know, whatever. Um, I want it to be comprehensive. Like one of, one of my personal rules for making this, the, the, the series is like, I want this to be the most comprehensive um, history of hip hop that I, that I can make. Um, so I had to, include as much stuff as I could and and I needed I needed to be bulletproof so I yeah whenever anybody in the comments like would say something stupid I would present uh every now and again I would even scan a page or something and I would just put it right there in the comments and, and it's like okay like you know I'm sorry you didn't like that I put it that I said that Grandmaster Flash did that but here's Grandmaster Flash saying that he did that and uh you know just I also like to shut people up really so that, that was another reason. So but that, that's just a more symptomatic reason. A couple questions for you. I've been dying to ask you. Uh, so is the, cause like, I, uh, I just want to know if like, this is just shit I'm making up my own head or if I, or if this is part of it, of, of the path here. Um, is the fact that you can like, to me that one of the cool things about what you did is, and one of the cool things about hip hop history is like, it really is like, if you picked a million other subjects that either you were already passionate about or, or wanted to be, you know, running to do this for, you know, I don't know, like it would have been as, 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 as structured in the sense that there's a linear path to the evolution of hip hop, right? Like, like it started where it started and then it unfolded from there. People were inspired or went to those events. They got their own ideas. They started doing their own thing. That caught on. Then it caught on here because of that. You know, like there is a path. And, and at some point it gets unwieldy because it becomes so widespread that, you know, it starts being hard to figure out who is who and, and who was inspired by who. But like was was the ability, the fact that you kind of had a pretty good linear path, at least for those years in the first few volumes, I mean, was that like a big part of your like belief that you could pull this off? Uh, it, it, it was sure. Um, I, for years I could play the, you know, six degrees of cool Herc game or something because, um, rap music was so New York centric for so long that of course everybody had to have some relationship with everybody else in some form or fashion. And and that's sort of the reason why I made the project, um, because I wanted to explore these these relationships. And and that's what and that's what Hip Hop Family Tree is, you know, like there are frankly racist people who are like, I don't like rap music. Thank you. I'm I'm not really <laughs> and um and they are just, just racists. Um but like what the comic is to me is um I was fascinated by the idea of a culture getting formed by way of word of mouth 
mm-hmm. in such a fairly recent time, um, and seeing it become, for to use a current phrase, to 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 become viral, and uh, this this like world-spanning thing, in, in frankly a very short amount of time. Um, so I wanted to explore that a little bit more. I, you know, was fresh off of reading all of Malcolm Gladwell's books. Um, and I had the, the, there's one book, the tipping point in the front of my thoughts. Um, whenever I start, started putting that book together. So it's like, okay, this is in the front of my thoughts. Um, now let me see for myself, like who in hip hop fills each role, um, that Malcolm Gladwell has laid out as, um, the necessary requirements to create a tipping point. Um, that was just all of these, every project that I have, it's, it's an exercise for myself to mm-hmm. do just some, some very trivial things and then some to, and then to further my comics making education. So it's like this twofold thing where I'm trying to learn a bunch, yeah. um, just, uh, like real world stuff, but then also trying to bring some stronger mechanics to my cartooning. When when this thing started to really take off, um, and I guess like you said, maybe you thought it was gonna, you knew it was gonna take off from jump, but you know when it started becoming like a thing, you know, beyond again comics are point blowing, and it started getting a lot of attention. Um, uh, you know, so it's maybe the last few years of, of you doing the work, uh, like volumes three and four. Like, did, did were there were there more and more people sort of trying to offer you anecdotes and tales, like to to be a part of it? And if so, since you did kind of accept at least begrudgingly that you were a journalist or had to hold the journalistic integrity, were there any um, components to the history that you, you know, thought about putting in, but then yet, you know, you just didn't because you either couldn't verify it through multiple sources or you, um, you know, heard enough divergent views of what happened or what went down that you were just like, well, I don't really don't know which way it went, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go there. Did that happen ever? <laughs> uh, more times than I would care to admit, to be honest. Um, okay. In a lot of ways, that's how hip, that's how hip hop works. Um, yeah, no doubt, right? About, I mean, even who, about, even like who, even like who invented hip, and, right? Like even who invented the term, right? Or who was the first rapper? Or, you know, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah in, the, in that first volume, I have no less than three people claiming to be the creator of the term hip hop. And right. and um, when I would talk with people, I sort of get really um, sort of excited. And, and uh, I mean, to this day, I still do whenever I get a call from from a famous rapper or something. Um, but almost completely, and 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 this sort of sucks to say, but almost I'm it's, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll actually rephrase it and put it all on me. Um, I don't have my, you know, to use a Malcolm Gladwell phrase, I don't have my 10,000 hours practice in being an interviewer. So I can't pull the good stuff like a Barbara Walters out of, uh, out of my interview subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll get on these calls and I just know I'm being fed piles of bullshit. I know <laughs> it. Um, and there's, you know, on this planet of 7 billion people, there's not one other human being on the globe who can corroborate what you just told me. You can't go in the book. Um, if I was, I started when I was about 30 or 31 making uh, hip hop family tree. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if I was 20 or 21, I would have been so uh, taken advantage of, and it would have been such a piece of shit book because because um, I would have just ex- yeah I would have just have accepted all the stuff that these people because I, I certainly at that age I would be even more impressionable impressionable and, and like, starstruck and I get you yeah and you're like oh shit I can't yeah. believe he told me this okay yeah I get you I I, yeah, I will certainly put that in the book sir and it's just all wrong and mm-hmm. uh, so so it's happened. It's happened more often than not, but that doesn't mean I don't appreciate the uh, conversation. You know, it's uh, off the air. I could tell you stories. So you, you know, um, again, since this thing kind of became, it's it, you know, it took a life of its own. What's the most bananas? At least that you're comfortable talking about on air. What's the most bananas uh, interaction with either someone from the book or, you know, just another hip hop legend that you know either hit you up or you had a chance to interact with in the book and you were like god damn like like this is a thing and and i don't know if i mean maybe and i'll say like with or without excluding public enemy because i know they're like your that's your crew so have you had a chance to yeah. like have they experienced the book and uh what must have that been like for you and then like i don't know any other any other anecdote that like would kind of you know would be cool to hear about sure um from, from the from the start um it became a, a personal game for myself to, but I also had to try to keep myself in check because I knew it couldn't last. Um, but it was really fun week in, week out, seeing which of my like favorite rappers are going to like retweet this thing um, and, 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 and spread the word. Um, and it happened from like maybe like the first eight weeks where it was just constantly like, you know, Eric B rock him, like, um, Oof. I think I think Ice Cube made created the he created the the most popular like the most trafficked strip like from from his like retweets and stuff and and yeah. it was actually really really great because he took ownership he's like you know it would be on his personal pages on Facebook and and, and Twitter and stuff and he it would be like um, here's a comic about when I when I first met Dre you know what I'm saying it wasn't like some douchebag did this comment. It's like, like it's a fact, you know what I'm saying? And that was insanely gratifying um, that, you know, because, because all it would take is, is one extremely popular rapper to destroy the whole thing. You know, it just, it would just right, like, one. A, yeah, if, just, if, like, if oh, one of those dudes, if one of those OGs came out and said, look at this fucking whack ass shit, like yeah. this guy's got it all wrong. So he didn't say it in so yeah. many words, but by him saying, this is what it was like when I met, Dre, he's saying, "Yeah, this is it. This is the truth." He, he gave it in. Um, uh, it, he vetted you for, off off the bat, totally. Yeah, totally. yeah. And I'll I'll be forever thankful. Um, See, that's crazy because you, yeah. you mentioned you mentioned Public Enemy. Uh, my greatest collaboration was making these action figures for them. I don't know if you yeah. guys saw those. Yeah, we saw. Um, don't have that, them, you know, but I saw them. That's uh, that's uh, the the um. You know, that's a crown jewel to me, man, because they are my favorite rap group uh, for, geez, since I, for like, from when I was like 15 to 27, 28, every single t-shirt I had, every single shirt I had was a public enemy t-shirt. Like every couple of months I would just, you know, make, make new ones, you know, silk screen, some new shit. And, um, and, and I could like look at these, like if I Google and I look at, 
old pictures of myself, I know exactly like what year that was because it's like, okay, it's that, that, that shirt. Um, that's my, that's my group. And the fact that they got in touch, dug the comics and were like, want to design action figures for us. Mm. It's like, I can't let anybody else design them. You know, yeah. Nobody, like there are, there are other public enemy toys out there. They're all garbage. Like I made some fucking cool public enemy toys, man. And not only are they cool, but they could fit in your um, GI Joe vehicles too. <laughs> <That's dope. laughs> nice. Quick kick and play for play on a mission together. <laughs> totally, they, they could fit into your hit tank, or if you're a good guy, perhaps your GI oh, Joe hovercraft. That's why. Maybe a jet fighter. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's cool. I mean, I, th- th- that's the thing. It's like, um, you know, I, I don't know. Um, like, are you, are you, a, I mean, it seems like from what we've, I mean, in our conversation, you've mentioned a couple other documentaries. So I'm guessing you're a fan of that genre. Have you, like, do you have an opinion? Have you dug things like, uh, like hip hop evolution or, uh, like the stretch and Bobito? Like, or like, have you checked those things out and like, like, uh, you know, thoughts on them? Like, do you, do you watch them and be like, oh, that's bullshit. Like, that's not how it went down. Or do you, <laughs> do you watch and be like, no, no, it's pretty good, man. They're pretty, they got it right. I mean, I don't know. I'm just curious. I I, I, yeah, I, lo- I love I, I love it all. I love it all. Though, um, though I do hate that uh, Hip Hop Evolution has these like sh- shitty drawn things where they're trying to do like the Kirby hands that I do. But like, <laughs> if I'm a Xerox of a Xerox, they're a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox. So it like <laughs> looks even shittier than the way that I do my Kirby foreshortening, and and people mistake it for my stuff, and then oh, that I makes see. me mad. But the content <laughs> of it is great, man. You know, and Stretch yeah, and Bobbito, I thought Hip Hop Evolution awesome was great. Yeah, I thought it was great. How awesome was Stretch and Bobbito, though? Like, because you you watch that, and you know you know it's authentic because Jay Z took the time out to participate for one, right. and then when you watch it, you got to immediately go to YouTube and listen to the um to the Big L Jay Z freestyle, and then like all that because dude, you're exactly right. dude, you, you are exactly right. I, I uh, shout out to our boy Ray Ortega, a good friend of ours that. Uh, listener of the show, comic fan, and he's, uh, he works at Amoeba, uh, out in LA, um, Amoeba yeah. Records, and, uh, he had sent me a bunch of, uh, of, of, uh, documentaries, uh, like a year or two back, uh, on DVD, and he sent me the Stretch and Bobito, and I hadn't, I admit, I had slept on it, I hadn't watched it, and then it was on Netflix, and a friend of mine, um, one of my neighbors is a, a prominent hip-hop DJ, uh, DJ Envy, uh, and, he had mentioned it to me. Did you say, DJ, was, did you say DJ Envy? Yeah, yeah. From from the Breakfast Club? Yeah, yeah. He's my. Oh, neighbor. that's super cool, man. I I love, I love that show. Cool, cool. I'll let him. Know. I'll let him know. He's probably, but so but he had mentioned Stretch and Bobito because he's a New York kid, and again, you know, he's in the New York radio game, right? And I was like, okay, yeah. And then, and then I went, I ran, came back to my house, and I saw that my boy Ray had sent me the DVD, so I popped it in. Not knowing it was also on Netflix, but I watched it and I was like, God damn, I can't believe I slept on this. This is incredible because these dudes were like doing this thing for free and talk about the passion. I mean, they just did the show for, for free, for fun. You know, we do the show, you know, we've done the show for almost 10 years for free because we love the comics. And it's like, it was so yeah. cool to think about the fact that like fast forward and these dudes are, you know, already, well, we're a little older than you, but like my age, a little older than us, a couple years older. And like they did this for free because of the love of it. And like, yet, like they look back on it. I mean, they had hundreds of of hip-hop legends and and then you know you know and then minor stars like come on their show before they were names you know including hove including biggie and pun and all those guys and it's like it's just crazy to think that like 
that's that's the cool thing about it. Like it was just it was just for the love of it, you know. Like before it became, you know, because I mean, I, as I mentioned, I have three sons, and uh, they're 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 all into hip hop, which is cool. Like goodness, because um, I live in an area where most people listen to country, so I'm so glad they <laughs> they like hip hop like their dad, not country. But but the point is is like, but they don't really understand the game. Like they don't understand the history of it. You know, like they have no. They're kids, so I don't, I'm not like holding against them, but they have no appreciation for the history of it and uh and when it was like just a when it was a, a niche thing like i remember being now i didn't like you you know you grew up in a place where there was some serious like issues going on like i grew up in a white picket fence suburb but like it was still weird for i mean it was still back in the time when like it was kind of weird to people that like i was a, a white kid that loved hip-hop like that was a weird thing like back then like it was it was sure. odd you know um now it's like so but now my my three white suburban sons love hip-hop like all their friends like hip-hop like that's all they listen to so it's it's a weird thing where it's now mainstream like it like it's it, but 20 years ago it was very much its own thing and so i love i love that you celebrate that and uh you know um but th- there's got to be a time when some dude came at you and was like my dude like i love what you do but like you got that story wrong like i was there i got it wrong you got it wrong like was there ever a moment like that there was there, i have i have one story and um but i'm still right but but they said like, like okay. <laughs> allow me to explain. Sure. Is that cool? Can I? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I never want to punch like I don't. I never want to hit a man when he's down in the comic. Like I don't want to in Hip Hop Family Tree. I don't want to linger on something bad uh, in a person's career. Um, none of that's important to me. I, I, like. It's about the growth of hip hop as a as a thing, um, but there, I, I I have a lot of questions about a lot of things in in hip hop, and I use my comic as a way to discover the answers. And there was a lingering question that I had for a really, really, really long time, and I found the answer, and the answer was ugly, but I put it in the comic. It's in it's in Hip Hop Family Tree Volume Three. Um, there was. Uh, uh, a pilot um, Soul Train like hip hop show called uh, Graffiti Rock that um, that only just just a solitary pilot um, exists, and uh, you'll see people like uh, like a young Vince Gallo is there, and and uh, Debbie Mazer, um, and, it, and and you know it's it's formatted like Soul Train. They had a mock rap battle between. Um, Run DMC and the Treacherous Three. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I saw this. I had this pilot. I had, had it on VHS for mm-hmm. a million years, and it's like there are only two people from the Treacherous. Th- like, why are we even saying the word Treacherous Three when <laughs> I'm looking at just two guys? Like, where's the other guy? And it's always right. been a question on my mind. On, and the, the missing guy was uh, the the rapper named Ellie Sunshine. Um, L.A. Sunshine put a book out, um, and to support the book, uh, he did a lot of um, these like, like monologues or something. You know, it was like it was like it was like fake interview shit. Like where there would be a question that comes up, and he would tell the story, and he told the story of why he was not on Graffiti Rock, and it had to do with he, in his words, he discovered and started experimenting with freebase and cocaine. He was instructed to go to the record label, the Treacherous Three Wants, Sugar Hill Records at that time, 
it was uh, his job at that moment to go to the record company to pick up the new royalty check for that quarter. Mm-hmm. He picked it up, and in his words, he said that he um, <clears throat> was looking for Cool Mo D, the other guy in the Treasures 3, and Special K, other dude in the band. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find either of the guys. He, he smoked up the fucking royalties, man. He smoked <laughs> it up in a crack pipe. Um, and, and, and then they put him on punishment, said, you can't come on this TV show. You're not allowed to be on a TV show, man, because you fucked up. Um, so there was that. That's one of my sources, right? Mm-hmm. And then there was a New York Times article uh, with the headline of something, and it came out just a few months before I put this strip together. Um, it's The headline was something like, uh, Rap Pioneer Strives for 9 to 5 Existence or something. And it talked about how he smoked away the 80s. Like, he doesn't remember anything in the 1980s. Um, I, I make a strip about this. I draw him smoking crack. Mm-hmm. I put these strips out every. I just put these strips out every Tuesday. Um, you know, like I said, four and a half years. And you have to believe me when I say that it was a total coincidence that the Tuesday that I put this strip up was on this motherfucker's birthday. Oh. And. Damn. And, and he, you know, it's it's popular shit online. He got in touch with me. Uh probably minutes after uh, it went live. Um, in fact, Jason, if you were to go onto my, if you were to go onto my Facebook, oh, geez, actually, I shouldn't say this. I should, because I don't, I'll say it right now. It, is this live? Are people no, listening no, right now? no, no, no. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to delete his comment. Um, at, like after I get off this, just so that they don't have it. But like, if you go like right now uh, and take a look at my profile, the profile pictures, there's a picture. If you go two or three back, I have like this yellow public enemy shirt on and look right. in the comments. He has his phone number in the comments right there and says, please get in touch with me. That was the day I put the strip up. Um, and you know, we talked and stuff and he's like, what are you doing? Drawing me smoking crack on my birthday, all this and that. And I'm like, Oh, like, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't know it was your birthday, but you know, this whole thing, it answers a question I had about, you know, why you weren't on the show, blah, blah, blah. And the fact that, you know, like, I'm just going by what you said in the video. And he's like, I never, I never was a smoker, blah, blah, blah. What video are you talking about? And then I, I sent him the, the link and it's him talking, you know? And he said, uh, well, I just don't appreciate you making it overtly dramatic. And then I was like, oh, fuck, man. Like, I, I he's embarrassed. Like, like, you know, hip hop is machismo. You know what I'm saying? You can't portray weakness and there are emotions that you could show and there are emotions that you can't. Right. And it's cool to be angry, but you cannot be embarrassed or sad, man. And if you are, that shit comes out just simply as anger. So that's what it was. You know, Uh, I embarrassed him and I feel terrible about it, but Mm -hmm. that's, that was the worst thing. That was the worst thing that uh, ever happened. Yeah. Now that's well, but like you said, I mean, it doesn't sound like you had it wrong necessarily. You just, you know, just just really shitty timing, I guess, man. Like, not that you knew it was. Yeah, bad. but but he tried yeah. to say it was wrong. He tried right. to say it was wrong, and I I gave him both of his sources. You know, I think once again that speaks to the power of comics, because this guy is pouring his heart out to the New York Times. Yeah. It was an article that came out around Christmas, uh, mm-hmm. a front page of like um not the main front page, but like in one of the you know the subsections or whatever. It was a big story, but. 
when you see, well, you know, the drawing that I did, I mean, he looks kind of goofy. Um, but when you see image, comic book imagery is very arresting. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, um, you had, I, had, I don't know if it was word balloon. I, I listened to an interview from a little bit back ago, uh, some time ago. And you were, you were making the point that like, um, you know, you don't, uh, I think you already said you don't suffer fools on on this on our chat, but you you also said like you know you you've always been of the mindset where like uh, you you don't like to be told like what to do like you just have your own confidence like you're gonna do it your way and that's one of the reasons you you worked with Fanographics and you know did that whole thing so like um I, you you had also said that that you were feeling like a bit overwhelmed or depressed at first when you agreed to do the Fanographics books because you weren't used to owing anybody money or feeling like you had a debt to them. And like for a minute you were feeling like I got, like I owe these guys, I got like, I got to deliver. Um, and, and again, maybe I'm just conflating things, but I had asked you a minute ago, like a couple of years back, if you'd be down with doing a commission and you were just, you were super cool about it. You're like, nah, man, I don't really do that kind of thing. Is, is your lack of interest in doing commissions, like that same mindset where like, you just like to do it your way and like doing commission is kind of like owing someone a certain deliverable, that like they may or may not like like what you do or is it just completely unrelated or you just not like to draw commissions i don't know i just i was meaning to ask you that because you know because yeah it's 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 pretty close like like what i mm-hmm. said about the fanographics thing i actually mean that about just just the, the whole enterprise of being an independent cartoonist and having somebody front the dough to print the thing period so like mm-hmm. i even felt that way with WYSIWYG. Um, because it's like, you know, it costs a couple of tens of thousand to, to, to make a print run of something. Um, and it's not in my nature first off to borrow money. And, um, I certainly don't want these people to feel like they made a bad investment. So I feel an obligation to make sure that the shit sells. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wish cartoonists had that thought as well, because then they couldn't cry and complain either if they, if they had some hustle in them. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to the commission thing, like I really am. So, like, I have, a, you know, a, a person has a certain amount of creative capital and they, they, they do what they do with it. Um, and I just want to apply my <clears throat> creative energy to, um, to my future goals. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if, if I draw a commission for, for, for you, that is money in my pocket for that moment. Um, but, but that's it. It's ephemeral. Um, it's, it, it's, it's not like for all the good stuff I said about Herb, Herb Trimpey, um, earlier, I don't want to be that when I'm 60 or 70 or whatever, where I have to like depend on um, drawing a whole so, Yeah. Right. For, for like, you know, the money that I would do. So like my goal is to like create art that is self-sustaining. So I'm making my stuff and I, believe in myself enough that I could sell enough of a volume of books that I can keep myself going to where I don't have to do that, mm-hmm. um, to where I don't have to do commissions. You know, I, um, I'm not really that much of a fan of really doing shows in a lot of ways. I would rather do shows and sign books than, than sell them while I'm there. You know, I don't want to be like, a um, Mickey Rourke in the wrestler with a goddamn <laughs> fanny pack making change and stuff like that's not that's how vince is it shows with our show he's always (laughs) what's that 
I said that's how Vince is it when we go to shows, shilling shilling our, our podcast to everybody. Yeah, no, don't I'm listen. Just I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I know what you're I saying. I just um it, yeah. yeah, I just like for my own for my own sake, like I just don't want people to have the perception that I that I need um that I need to do that, you know. I just don't want that kind of like leverage against me or something. And and then where it's like I don't know, it is I'm very I have a lot of pride in perhaps uh Perhaps that um, you know it prevents me from perhaps making more money than I can, but I'm doing okay, and yeah. I'm drawing I, you know just enough. I was uh, I was like way surprised and happy that you you brought like those X Men commissions to Heroes. Unfortunately, uh, they sold before I I got a chance to get up on them, but. But uh, I was like, oh, it's doing commissions. That's cool. Like now, admittedly, you drew those and then like sold them. It wasn't like someone asked you to draw a specific thing. But uh, but that was cool. So, you know, I'm an OA dude. Like I collect a lot of OA. It's like a passion. So um, with hip hop, like have you have you let any of those pages go? And like have you given or sold any to like to, to MCs or to DJs? Like have you like have there been pages where like with featuring, you know, like that were about those guys and like they've reached out either directly through an intermediary and said like I love that page and have you either gifted it or sold it to them um I have sold pages yes um I have uh I have uh gifted a few here and there and I have sold some to to rappers um to the point where it's, it's like inflated the price of the art where you know all things being equal I'm not going to discriminate. Like, uh, like I'm not going to like size up somebody and be like, ah, they could afford this or that. It's like, okay, this is the price now. So I have a couple of like really great patrons, um, who just happen to be huge zillionaires and stuff. <laughs> um, so basically, uh, Damn them. They're, 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 they're the crowd who buys it now, you know? Okay. Um, but th- that seems to be a thing too, by the way, like in, like in the, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put any business on it, anybody else's business in the streets, but, uh, comics has been a thing for a while, you know, and geeks are getting older and geeks are achieving positions of power and immense wealth. And, uh, they are becoming the patrons of their favorite cartoonists in like a real way, like, I don't know anything about that. Um, <laughs> Not a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, like I, I sort of just discovered it. You know, I sort of just became a part of that universe, man. And it's like, whoa, yeah. this is, this is pretty. And it, it actually, when you when you sit down and you try to think about the numbers of it, it's like, you know, that person couldn't live there. Like you, you look at the comics and it's like, yeah, it's, it probably does okay, but you can't live there with with that kind of comic you either have to have a spouse who works at i don't know google or something or you know you have some steve wozniak type character who has expendable income who buys all your art or whatever listen man it's bananas out there um we're we're, I'm, i'm buddies with uh Couple art dealers, but but one in particular, Felix Liu, who reps a bunch of people, and he sold this year already. So we're halfway through the year. He sold twenty complete issues of people he reps, like complete issues, like, and you know yeah, that's, that, that's that's, that's a, the game. That, that's a grip, though. I mean, you know, even for a guy that's not like that's you know maybe just do. I mean, like to buy a whole issue of anything is a is a is a good amount of of money. So you know, yeah, there's man. a you know it's a supply demand, right? It's a one of a kind thing. So. uh well, anyway, I mean, yeah, I uh, just want, I, ho- I hope these people do good things with the, with the art too. 
Um, because, like, in, in the same way that they buy whole issues, like, there are people who buy whole graphic novels. That's crazy. Yeah. Dap, that's you, baby. Yeah. Gotta buy a whole <laughs> so um we uh a couple of our of our faithful listeners um that are, yes. are like are, are on patreon that uh we, we 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 let our patrons know that uh, you were coming on and and asked them if they had anything they wanted to ask you so if you wouldn't mind i got a couple cool. questions from them um which yeah. kind of like fit into what we've been talking about but all right so um so our buddy daniel white said that you know hip-hop family tree went on for years you know, this X joint's going to be a multi-year project. Um, you know, do you, is there any desire for you to do, uh, you know, shorter stories like in between to sort of just, you know, keep your mind fresh to, you know, and, uh, you know, or, or are there any tales that allow you to bounce around a bit more and be more carefree that uh, we should look forward to? I'm starting with, I think it's going to come out within the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm doing, short strips and image plus plus magazine. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. Just little one page deals about, and it, it, and it's sort of about how they're, they're personally, they're, you know, they're autobiographical, but I would, I would consider them to be probably close to the story of many of my cartoonist peers and their relationship with image comics when they were young. So I call the strip image of youth. And it's just about how Image Comics affected me during my formative years, uh, kind of en route to becoming a cartoonist. Um, so each each month there will be a new strip for that, and, and you know that's uh, any free time I have available uh, in in the month, like I'll, I'll spend it to uh, put one of those together. Um, but right now I am laser focused on this X Men thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not really thinking about anything else. Um, I, I think the beauty of this project is that we're going to get to see a Marvel project, like where where somebody's not spreading themselves thin. You know, like these, a lot of these dudes will will um, write five books or like save all their best ideas for their image comic. But so true. Just like you yeah. know all that kind of thing that's corny to me that's uh, like that's not that's not what i want to be uh and do you, do you guys read a manga at all there's a, there's a manga called bakuman uh it's about it's about these boys like venturing off into becoming like having cartoonist careers mm-hmm. and the one boy's uh uncle that dead, dead uncle uh was it was a mangaka and they they raid his studio and they find this notebook and like there were like these three personal rules and and one of the rules was um no frivolous manga so like i take that to heart i'm not trying to do any dashed off bullshit anything i do (laughs) i'm putting all of my energy into um i I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if people thought i did a, a hack work i respect that respect to that um yeah i mean that 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 about says it now i think our our boy caleb uh, Alexander McKinsey uh, asks a question, and I'm going to paraphrase it's a bit lengthy, but but he's basically saying, um, you know, who was the first comic artist that you remember, you know, putting a face with a name, like where it was like you actually, I mean, you, you always saw that, you know, we all read comics, and we see the names, but we don't it doesn't really mean anything. Who was the first artist where it actually meant something to you? And he said, you know, for him it was George Perez. Now I, I could be wrong. I, I thought for you you had said that it was it was Liefeld, but but am I wrong there? Like it, what what 
Is is that who it was, or 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 was it somebody else? Now we're talking we're talking a physical face, or I was able to look at a piece of art and be like, oh, that's a Rob Liefeld. Yeah, well, he says, all right, all right, all right I guess I'll because I'll, 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 I don't want to misquote him. He says, uh, like, what he means is that as a child, he remembers reading comics and just thinking that the pictures were cool without really understanding that an artist was behind the work. But then he remembers the exact yeah. moment he was reading Avengers and was so blown away that he realized that they weren't just cool pictures, but that this was art created by a specific person, in this case, George Perez, and that he came into the name to right, memory. Yeah, it, it would be... Um, it would be... Um, it's sort of a triumph. It's 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 McFarlane, it's Jim Lee, it's Rob Liefeld, and it's Art Adams. Also at the same time, mm-hmm. um, I still have all those comics, dude. And I got them at the Rite Aid when I was in third grade in Baltimore. Um, got them all because in the same month it was. Um, it, it might there might have been. Uh, I forget what the Rob Light... Oh, it would have been an Extinction Agenda issue of uh, New Mutants. Nice. It was the the orange cover Extinction Agenda X-Men and um, the second issue of the Fantastic, the new Fantastic Four trilogy that he, that Art Adams did with Walt Simonson. Like, all those comics came out at the same time. And, and um, I looked at everything else as being generic. I saw that stuff. It all spoke to me instantly, and I was like, "Okay, I'm on board for these dudes." Like it was like, like that week, I became a fan of like specific artists. Mm-hmm. All right, before we uh, we ask Ed this this next question, wh- what about you guys? Wh- who is it for you? Hmm. Well, I'm old, so I'd have to say Jack Kirby. It was so. Right. It was, but it, okay. Uh-huh. So yeah, I guess that makes sense for you. But do you remember, like, the moment when you were, like, it wasn't just, like, names where you were, like, oh, this is a person, like, creating this thing? Yeah. Yeah, that little signature that in, he used to put in on the commanding mm-hmm. pages in the little circle with the K. Okay. You know? And it's just, like, this is a real man. Kirby's a – and the, just the way Stan kind of pumped him up. Like, right. King Kirby. He was the king. And everyone was number two or lower. So it was – yeah, it's always been Jack. <laughs> you, you, I, know, I you know what I think yeah. I think I fucked up the question uh, if, if we're going with like associating art with a name it, it was definitely John Byrne uh, in classic nice. X-Men when I was a little boy because mm-hmm. because that was the first time I was able to read like the credit box and to see like that credit box is what made me become a cartoonist because I'm like a writer human name associated penciler human name is uh, like oh these are just people cool this is yeah. what I'm going to do um, wow. So it, it was. It was. It was that. That's cool. Um, you guys I, have. You, I, have I like, missed- you both chose like goats, like like OG, like Mount Rushmore types. For me, it was a much more uh, personal encounter. It was um, Larry Hama. I was a young buck. I was probably like ten, and my dad. Uh, I was. You know, my parents were divorced, and so every Friday when my dad would pick me up for the weekend, he, I'd make him roll out to Comic Relief at Mercer County Mall. It was a comic in LCS. We'd roll there, and I'd nice. get comics. And I think for some reason, one that I don't know why, but like for some reason we couldn't, we couldn't go on that Friday that time. So we went on a Saturday and, uh, and this, this place had creators set up to do like a signing and I'd never seen anything wow. like it. And I roll up and there's like two dudes and I wish for life, Mac, remember the other guy, cause I'm sure it was probably another legend. I don't remember who it was, <laughs> but I had my comics, I had my stack and I was like, again, 10 or 11 and uh, Larry Hama was like, Oh, Hey, 
let me see what you got there. And I handed him my stack. And uh, and he was like, oh, um, and G.I. Joe was in there. He's like, oh, this is my time. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sick. And he's like, you know, you want me, you want me to sign it? And I'm, you know, again, I'm, I'm a 10-year-old kid. I'm like, no, but could you draw Spider-Man for me? <laughs> like, having no concept of the fact that, like, the writer was different than the, than, the, than the penciler. And, like, to his credit, what a badass. Like, he was like, he laughed and he's like, sure. So he pulled out my issue G.I. Joe. I had sitting there and he fucking drew a, a, a head sketch of Spider-Man on it, on the inside page. Do you still and, have it? Uh, I do. Yeah, I do. And and like I thought it was the coolest thing. And at the moment, I had no idea that like it was weird that this dude was a writer and I'm asking him to draw a comic. And he just let it go. But uh, but then like I but that was like it started to get me thinking about like there were real people behind this and like doing their thing. And uh, yeah, right. so yeah. How about you, Dad? I I think of him as as a legend. By the way, cool. He's, he's a goat to me. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, modern. It would uh, well. And the the answer is probably um, just straight Gil Kane only because the going back and, and wanting to to see the old um, the old Green Lantern stuff and but it that's that's only because the the way his art just was so alive and, and the way it jumped off the page for me and I, I just I wanted to know who who was doing that but I think um, I could also say Perez just because of the the detail he put onto it and and, and that Perez was probably one of the and and Byrne probably the two that were the most recognizable to me aside from Kane mm-hmm. but um, it was it, it was pretty much Gil is the one who probably made me think I could um, I could put pen to paper and, and maybe do something. Nice. Nice. All right, so our boy Sean asks a litany of questions. Dude, like rapid fire here. Um, uh, but they're All good. Right. They're good questions. So let's hit the first one, which is uh, he wants to – he would love to hear your thoughts on current hip-hop. Do you listen to it? What do you think of it? If so, who do you like? Um, <clears throat> the stuff I listen to, uh, it sort of has to be the most popular stuff because they're the only people who can afford um, the samples and the the loops of old records and stuff. And that's what I like. That's yeah. what got me into hip hop. So it's like I like Kanye West unapologetically. I like Jay Z. I like Kendrick Lamar. It's like you have to be in like the one percent of rappers for me to listen to you because you can make the closest kind of music that existed in the golden age of hip hop, you know, like mm-hmm. the people who just produce samples, uh, wholesale, not interesting to me. And I don't, and I don't care about like, just like a person who could rhyme, um, lyrics of like, uh, five or six syllable words. Like that doesn't impress me at all. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm taking my two oldest sons to see uh, Kendrick uh, in two weeks. It's their first concert, so that's, starting them off right. That's great. Starting off right. Yeah. Uh, cool. Okay. So um, let's see. He also wants to know, and I've heard you talk about this before, but maybe for our audience, um, like how did you decide on how do you decide on book formats? And I'm, I'm assuming he's mainly talking about hip hop and the fact that it's uh, it's an homage to the Treasury editions. So uh, I assume that was what you were going for, right? I mean, pretty unapologetically, you were. You, you wanted to, to be evocative of those old treasury books, right? 
Yeah, for sure. Specifically because I wanted um, the book to, to, to work nicely on the shelf next to um, when I grew up in, in, in Homestead, um, the only comic several of my friends had in their house was Muhammad Ali meets Superman. <laughs> and, right. um, and I just want, like I, I had them in mind and I wanted like my book to be like right next to their copy of that. Um, cool. So that was the major impetus. So he, uh, this is a great question and it piggybacks off something David had pointed out about the, uh, the panel layouts that you chose for, for WYSIWYG. Uh, Sean says that uh, he'd love to hear your thoughts on panel layout. He said, you seem to be a real 90s style nerd, but that a lot of the sequences in your book seem to follow a more traditional panel arrangement. So, you know, do you agree with his assessment and, and why is that? What what I got from from the image guys was a bolstering of um, – the possibility that I could grow up to become a cartoonist. That's the main thing I took from those guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, from, from image, I immediately discover fanographics as we, as I said earlier from, yeah. from the back pages of wizard and stuff. Um, storytelling is paramount to me. Um, you don't really impress me with, uh, making geometric weirdo panel layouts and stuff. The story is King and uh it should be it should be clear um you know WYSIWYG took me took me uh, five years to make uh in total um i i did a lot of other projects in between and stuff sure. to pay the rent or whatever it took five years and it takes maybe an hour and a half to read you know uh at the time when it came out like i found that to be sad in a way and uh it made me mad about the inefficiency of making comics but now I look at it as, uh, you know, what could I do to make it uh, so that it only takes you an hour to read? Because that then that means that you didn't get tripped up anywhere. Um, and certainly with, with WYSIWYG, um, when I sort of suggested or whatever that, that um, the main character had a kind of uh, autistic component to his neurology, um, I kind of wanted the panel layouts to, to reflect that kind of like logical order. Mm-hmm. Of, um, of of the character's uh, mindset, so that was an important part of the panel arrangement as well. Nice. So uh, the next question is: uh, I'll read it, and you can feel free to answer as you wish. This is like uh, you know, I don't know if this is uh, him asking you to put your business out there. So I'll read the question, and you can decide if you want to answer it. Uh, I would also like to know some of the business side shenanigans in all of Ed's other interviews I've read. He's straight up saucy with the numbers. And I'd love to see how he makes a living creating these masterworks. Uh, you know, again, I don't know if, you, if anything you want to say there. Like, yeah, pretty self-explanatory how you make your money. I mean, you, you sell you a lot of fucking books, but <laughs> but right, but I don't know. Right, yeah. and and that's the thing. If like I'll, I'll put it this way, because because there, at a certain level you have to, it's not good to let anybody know what you have. You know. Yeah, of course. Um. So as a cartoonist, like if if he's approaching me as a cartoonist, like an enterprising cartoonist who wants to get into the game or whatever. I would say that I would never bother with a publisher period. If I couldn't sell at least 10,000 units of what, of whatever it is. Um, if I can't, if I don't have confidence that I could hit that number, I will just self publish when, whenever I was, um, doing the, earliest iteration of WYSIWYG that was self-published. 
Um, I sold thousands and thousands and thousands of each of those uh, volumes. There were three volumes. Made tens of thousand dollars, tens of thousands of dollars a year. Uh, even during uh, 2008, when that subprime mortgage shit was fucking everybody's day up, I was still yeah. making good side money with 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 that thing. Um, but then I started to recognize it. it's like okay, uh, this is getting popular within this this uh, you know the, like these internet readers who are discovering it. Um, it became a full time job for me to continue making the comic and then fulfilling orders took all day. So then it got to the point where it's like, okay, now's the time for me to get a publisher because I want to just like stick to being creative. And, um, and, and that was the, the route that I've taken, you know? So it's like since, since 2012, I've been making my complete living from my comics, meaning, meaning, um, you know, doing illustration stuff, doesn't factor in to uh to to my living i just make my comics uh for the most part even though this like i have something coming out soon if that was a commercial job that i just couldn't say no to um but it's it's you know that's just that's been the case like as a cartoonist i have a million ideas and the ones that i decide to commit to paper are the ideas that i think will um that I think will resonate with the most people. Um, I, I choose to do that. I'm happy to do that. If we're going to use hip hop, hip hop, uh, metaphor or something, I would rather be Jay-Z than Talib Kweli uh, in terms <laughs> of like success like financial success and stuff like that. Like, like my other brethren <laughs> who, who go to SBX mm-hmm. every, every year, they could be Talib, you know, they can listen, man. I, uh, our our friend Ray, the one I was telling you that gave us the stretch and bobito, he we have had uh, in fact at uh, at C two E two last year we all got in a big debate over the best MCs of all time, and I I squarely put Jay Z on the top again because to me hip hop isn't you can't extricate the uh, the appreciation accumulation of wealth from the hip hop game like I think that's a big part of it, and so for me like Jay Z is a great MC and he's got longevity and he's made paper. And so, like, is he my yeah. personal favorite MC? Like, do I think he's had the most banging tracks of all time? No. But, like, if I'm being objective and trying to rate, like, who are the greatest MCs, he has to be it. And, you know, and then lots of guys, right, included, are like, nah, that's crazy. Like, because it shouldn't be about that. It shouldn't be about the bank. But I'm with you. I'm with you. So, um, uh, Sean says that, uh, that, that he, since, especially given the X-Men news, um, he wants to know what the fuck's happened with the X-Men. Why hasn't there been a killer run since Astonishing? What are they doing wrong? So I don't know if you even think they are doing wrong, but but maybe like instead of asking that specific question, I think something that would be interesting to know is like, are you you mentioned you have thirty thousand comics, so uh, you're as addicted to this shit as we are. Uh, do you do you still read current stuff? Like, do you have the time? Do you you know do you do you keep up on 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 what's what's going on in the comics world at present? Um, I don't. Uh, I, okay. I do read comics all the time. Uh, I, I read I read no no DC or Marvel. Um, I haven't, I haven't kept up with X Men since uh, Joe Matarera. Um, since the magazine, so days. I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, I, I, have, I have no idea what's happening. Um, I suspect. Well, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cold diss anybody. I'd rather, you know, do it to their faces or whatever. <laughs> um, so I'm not gonna say anything about any creative teams. Um, see, I'm trying to be political. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and and then, like let me sort of re- restructure like my answer. Like uh, I think what made X Men successful and really something that 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 sh- 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 you know touched our hearts or whatever. Um, I think that Chris Claremont was um, amazingly generous with his with his uh, vision with it with his with his creativity. Um, there was no image comics. He gave a lot of amazing ideas to uh, he, you know what I mean? Like to, to, to X-Men, to the whole thing, like the, the, the creators of his day, you know, Frank Miller, like the, the, the stuff that they're making movies and TV shows and all that about, um, the stuff that's post Kirby. It's like, it's these guys from the late seventies, uh, early 80s who were just in, insanely generous with their ideas and nowadays um you can just you can just uh take your original ideas and make an image comic you know so yeah, i think it's, sure. a lot of those creators are doing that and uh listen my thing what, what am i doing i'm taking the first uh i would say 200 like up to the end of claremont is is about it's is pretty much where I left leave off because I can't do anything uh, with Fabian Nicieze or um, Scott Lobb. I just can't do anything with that. Um, <laughs> oh damn! So 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 we so up to up to the end of Claremont, right? Um, but but that's what I'm give, That's what I'm able to offer because you know I'm not going to be um, just generous with uh, all of my my uh particular like my inventions i'm not i'm not going to give my inventions to 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 uh some corporation that so that they could prosper and um you know like like exploit the thing or or, or whatever so so i'm doing this thing It, it, it feels more honest if you just are like okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be like a triage unit that's kind of keeping this property alive, but, but like continuing this run, but just, you know, that's like the Roy Thomas method where it's just like, he's not going to give any new inventions. He's just going to play around with the toys that exist. Um, but you don't see any movies being made off of Roy Thomas comics. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Chris Claremont was super generous. Chris Claremont was super generous, created amazing stuff that, um, that, you know, that, that, Marvel owns, and um, I think many of the creators see that as, well, there's just more possibility now, you know, that we don't have to give up uh, a lot of our ideas, like, for the corporate stuff, and then they end up just taking it to, to make their own image comics or mm-hmm. Dark Horse comics or whatever. So so, so that's what it is. Um, yeah, I think that's right. You know, like, like, they wouldn't admit to it, I'm sure, and... I'm sure, uh, you know, the people will have stuff to say about it, but, you know, give, give me a better argument back. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. For sure. All right, man. So, listen, uh, we've kept you for a long-ass time, for a minute. Um, so, we're going to we're gonna let you go. We're going to wrap it up. Um, but before yeah, we cool. do, first of all, thanks so much for coming on, man. I hope you enjoyed it. We had a blast. Um, real good conversation. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, it. For real. Oh, hell yeah. For sure. Um 
needless to say, I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, unlike many of your projects, uh, I, I don't know that I don't worry that we're not going to uh, that, that this next project is going to be uh, it won't be lacking in marketing dollars. <laughs> Being that's a Marvel project. <laughs> but but either way, man, you know, we will certainly be eagerly anticipating uh, grand designs and we'll be uh, bigging it up. And uh, and if you happen to draw Domino in any of those issues, I don't remember if she ever made it in the first 200. She probably hasn't. But uh, but if you work her in, I want that page. <laughs> um, but no, Let's put, it this, put it this way. It's the first Marvel book I'm going to be getting on the regular in about five years. Nice. Nice. Right. Uh, Has it been that compliment. long? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then with with hip hop, um, you know, selfishly, I'm sure I'm not alone. I'd love to see you. You know, you left off in 85, right? Yeah, 85. So, yeah, but um, just like the tip of 85. Yeah, are are you? Um, I mean, are are is is it done? Like, are we we putting a putting a like? Is it is it finished? Like, have you you done your thing and that's time to move on? Um, or, or can you envision ever going beyond eighty five? Uh, or or we'll see. I think I think uh, Hip Hop Family Tree could could become like my life's work. But cool. Okay. Um, I'm going to do other stuff too. You know, I have sure. a, like I said, I have a million ideas. Sure. Okay. So, well, so yeah, it's 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 not dead. Okay, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, so so uh, and then this the super secret project. I guess we will hear about it in a, a month or two. That's awesome. Um, in the meantime, yeah, it, it, man, you know, it's, yeah, nothing. Yeah. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say in the meantime, um, you know, uh, you're pretty active on the social media, and uh, and people's can can check you out on the Facebook and uh, and Twitter and the like. Um, yeah, but. For sure. uh, yeah, man. Anything else you wanna you wanna throw out there? Any other you know any any peoples or creators you wanna you wanna big up? Uh, by all means, if if not, man, we'll we'll let you go and uh, and and give you all the love for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Well. Uh, well. Once again, thanks thanks for having me on. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Um, I think we did a healthy amount of of uh, name dropping. A bunch of cool, for sure. cool cartoonists and stuff, man. Cool. So I think. We'll leave it at that, and uh, I think it would be awesome. Like you know, if you when you guys check this comic out, um, if you know we pick up this conversation again and make it more X Men centric, because I would be real curious what you guys think about how I handle some things. Uh, sure, as as long as it's all told it through up. the eyes of Cable, then then we're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, here, I, I'll, I'll I'll tell you this. Um, I have this theory that that um, the yellow caption box in every Marvel comic, if it is not in first person, it is the words of Owatu the Watcher. Wow. I'll just leave it at that. Right. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> that is, that is, a, that is uh, a... I love this, man. I like that. <laughs> nice. All right, then. For sure, Ed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when this thing drops, we, I mean, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll 100% be talking about it, but... But if uh, you know, again, if, if you're around and you want to uh, you want to shoot the shit about it more specifically, man, we're we're definitely down with that. Word. Cool. Yeah. Great, man. Well, thanks so much, dude. So we'll. Uh, are, are, I know you don't do many shows. Are you are you doing New York or anything like that? Or are we gonna have to wait till Heroes next year to see you? Uh, yeah. No, no plans. No plans. I'm just grinding, man. I really want right. to chip away at this thing. Cool, man. Well, listen. Uh, thanks again. It's 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 great. You know, we love your work and uh, and look forward to uh, to to. Talking uh, the rap game and the comic game again soon. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, listen. Doors always open. Me on. You, you guys, uh, much appreciated. You guys have All a right. good night. Okay. You, you too. too. You too. Be well. Thank, Thank you. you.
Take care. Cheers. My God. And there it is. I got the goosebumps. Yeah. I got the damn goosebumps. <laughs> Dude, you know, it's funny, right? Because you just never know like what a person's made like made of. Right, right. Like in 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 ha- like like Ed takes the crap. Like he like he's not fucking around. No, you know it's all to the earth, man. No, but like, but you know, but he's he's really taking his career seriously. Sure, like you, you could look at it and say like, oh, this dude. I'm sure more than a few people think like, wow, this dude like lucked into things because he was doing his own comics and he loved hip hop, and he had the idea to do a combat hip hop and it took off. But like, there's so much more than that, right? Like, there's this intense, yeah. serious research, and and you know, again, he downplayed it, but like, he is a journalist. I mean, he. You heard it. I mean, there were a million stories that he was given firsthand from people, from from hip hop artists, that he chose not to put in the book because he couldn't corroborate them. Right. You know, he treated it with a respect and a professionalism that I think stand, will stand the test of time. And the other thing I think that's interesting, and and you see this with 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 I I, I got the same vibe from Mara, um, in that like because of their style, I think, and that he was self taught. I think people. Again, think he just does it for the passion of it, but like the dude has a lot of underlying chops in terms of the actual art of storytelling that shouldn't be dismissed, you know, out of hand. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, like, like, like if you were to take the Scott McCloud how to make comics type of situation, you know, Pisker is like he that that is not that's like he's not accidentally creating strong comics. Like he, he puts a ton of thought into the way they look, the way they're structured, what it means to be a storyteller, why that medium works better than, and you know, the one thing we really didn't get into that I know he's super into is like why comics are great as a storytelling mechanism and why they're different than other types of storytelling mechanisms. I know he's super into that as well. And so, uh, yeah, I thought it was great, man. I, 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 that was, you know, we do a lot of interviews, or at least a fair amount, and uh, and most of them go well. But you never know what you're going to get. And uh, that I personally, I don't think that could have gone any better from my vantage. No, so. no. Well, you know, we've we've passed him a number of times at cons. Sometimes we talk to him, sometimes not. But every time, it is a man that walks with purpose. He, you could tell that he's got something on his mind. He's going to do it. Like he's not fucking around. Yeah, and, my dude and, rocks and that tank. Yeah, and that's the way he makes comics. He's he's mm-hmm. not the fact that he has been successful is not a surprise to him because yep. that's by design. And you know, yeah, okay, I see your message. Um, uh, Jason's gonna go pee, and I'm I'm a, I'm I'm gonna tell you what you can get at Discount Comic Book Service this month uh, from DC. It's Batman the Shadow, the Murder Geniuses hardcover. Now, this is something I had. uh, I don't pray, but I came damn close to it that we would actually get a hardcover of this miniseries, and we are. It collects Batman the Shadow 1 to 6 and a mysterious story from Batman Annual number 1 that we have no idea what it is, but I'm sure it's going to be the awesome sauce. It is uh, written by Steve Orlando, Scott Snyder. Drawn by the great Riley Rossmo, $24.99 cover price, your price, $12.49 from Boom. Eugenic, number one of three, will cost you $2.99. That's 50% off the $5.99 cover price. And from Scout Comics, interesting. It's called Infernoct. 
Shades of HP Lovecraft, written by Mina Elwell, art by Eli Powell, cover price $3.99, your price $2.19, 45% off for a uh, independent publisher is not, not bad stuff. In your travels, I don't want to get too deep on this because I don't want to, um, as we say, short shrift it. Um, I don't use this word very often to describe something, but reading Rich Tommaso's uh, Spy Seal number one, it was a delight. It was a damn delight. I love this issue. And just to bring it all uh, back, uh, 360, uh, Ed, <laughs> did, were you guys on like mute or something? Did you hear anything that I said? I was, as you let our audience know, keen. <laughs> keen. <laughs> but Ed, as Ed said, he talked about Air Gay uh, and Tintin. There's a lot of Tintin in Spy Seal. There is, uh, and it is it is awesome, uh, and it's some. There's a lot of strangeness to it, uh, but again, with the, the hip hop and Ed, it takes a lot to bring me to the table if I'm not interested in the subject matter. I really am not interested in hip hop, but Ed got me at least to the table with his <laughs> his style. Blasphema. In Spy Seal, I'm I'm really not a fan of the the whole espionage genre, but holy crap, did I love this issue? That says something, right? So so read Spy Seal number one, and then we'll talk about it when we come back. Uh, from Image, yes, it is from Image. Although it feels like it really should be from Fantagraphics. It it was, it's it's the most. Heavy metal book image has on their hands right now. I, I just it felt like something Vin, I would have heavy read. Metal, not not shit new heavy metal. Right. Yeah. It feels like yeah. something that you know, like Vargas or somebody would would, right. would draw. I, that that's exactly yes. how I felt as I was reading it. It's it's a great first issue. I have to um, send DCBS an email because uh, I'll order the third issue in this month's preview. So I have to uh, get uh, the first two issues. That's exactly um, what I did. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I read this one, this issue number one, and I'm like, oh shit! Yeah, I got, I got to get the single issue. Yeah. So I sent, I sent them a message, and I added them all. I um, sorry. Yeah, I told you guys. I think I made a mistake because there was there was an image book that uh, I did buy the first issue of, and I read the preview that we get from uh, from Image, and it definitely right. did not make me feel the same way I felt after reading. Spy seal. So um, I hope to. Uh, you're lucky. You're lucky. You're cute because you're a little bit crazy. Mm, what? I don't know about that. But I'm. I'm just lucky. He's. He's lucky. He's cute. I am. I am. But uh, um, to answer your question, though, Vince, um, I did check I it for you. Yes, uh, it is the most recent. This volume of Batman that started in 2016. It is that annual, because uh. in that anthology of an annual. There is a story, and I completely forgot that this actually was a um, a prequel or segue, but uh, there is a story written by Steve Orlando. And when you mentioned the creators on the hardcover for Batman Shadow, there wasn't any other mm -hmm. artist except Riley Rossmo. And that's because in this annual, 
Steve Orlando wrote a story, Riley Rossmo drew a story, and that story is titled Stag. Wow. So that's why it's included in the Batman Shadow hardcover. Um but in your travel uh it will be yours. And I'm 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 glad you'll have it. The uh My God. Uh, what? <laughs> What's that? I'm happy for you. I can be happy for you, boo. You are yes, you can be happy. Okay then. Mm-hmm. Um I uh you know what? I'm I'm gonna um speaking of heavy metal and, and of image, uh I read the first three issues of Packless. And that really made me feel like I, I can't believe that this is uh something image is putting out because it does not um, Right. It really does not feel like something. I mean, it's it's one creator doing his own anthology. Well, one one writer artist who has some friends is his, his buddy DJ um, writes a story here or there. But uh, Dustin Weaver is doing some fantastic work with this. I'm I'm happy he's able to tell these stories. Uh, the third issue, um, he uh, he kind of goes into a little bit of an origin story about himself. Uh, where he had the um, the 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 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, and he met uh, Jim Lee when they were still at Image. Um, it was a pretty cool story, uh, but um, yeah, I I, uh, I really didn't know what to expect with with Packless, and and it just it. Um, um, I I like it a lot. It's weird. I can't. It's it's not really something that I feel like I, I can describe and do it any sort of justice. But uh, just just definitely check it out. I I like Weaver's work. It is um, there's there's definitely that um, that anime uh, influence in in it, and and it doesn't uh, it doesn't detract or um, it's not the focal point. It's just it's it's just it's a style and, and it, it fits the stories that he's telling with these, with these characters. And, uh, it's, it's pretty wild, man. I, I definitely recommend it. Nice. Uh, in keeping with the theme of the night, I'm going to give you two in your travels. Uh, first one is something to watch referenced it uh, briefly, which is hip hop evolution. Uh, it is a four part documentary, uh, created by and narrated by uh, Shadrach, uh, the uh, Canadian uh, rapper and journalist. Um, but it is uh, it is very much of the same... Um, it could be a soulmate or a cousin to what Ed did in comic form. Um, same takes a look at the same period of time, um, calls attention to a lot of the same key moments and key creators, and... Uh, as Ed mentioned, you know it's legit because of the people that uh, that are involved in the project uh, or and give interviews. Uh, it's it's a great thing, and it's available on Netflix uh, to stream for free um, if you're a Netflix subscriber. Uh, and then on the reading tip, uh, in keeping with that Pittsburgh crew, um, shout out to our boy Jim Rugg and his writing partner Brian Maruka. Um, we talked at length uh, back in April about Street Angel After School Kung Fu Special Hardcover. Well, they're back at it with the Street Angel Gang hardcover. 
uh, came out a few weeks back. Uh, it is a 48-page uh, story, um, which uh, would normally be done in a flappy, but they but Jim loves the presentation to be extra special, and so he did a hardcover. And it's basically um, what if uh, Jesse, uh, the uh, titular street angel, um, joined up with a f- super violent street gang called the Bleeders, and uh, would her life be dramatically different as a result? Uh, basically, anything that Jim does is awesome, um, and uh, this is no exception. But uh, it's 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 a great little story, and I recommend it. And stay tuned for Street Angel Superhero for a Day, which is coming in uh, in October, which I think is like a ninety page hardcover. I think I think it's like it's it's bigger than the, this one. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's sweet to see Rug doing the uh, the image hardcovers. Um, so. Love it the most. Uh, two things, since Jason already said two things. Uh, this Friday, the voting ends for the August book of the month that patrons get to vote on for. We'll, uh, we will discuss at the uh, at the end of the month. Uh, so if you haven't, get to that. Um, and for Vince... I um, read the first two issues of uh, Greatest Adventure. Nice. So that was for you. Um, Sweet. You know that's like a, it's like a seven issue mini, I think. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. It, it's it goes on for a, a stretch. And we um we we have a couple things upcoming that we owe. Our, uh, our our dutiful listeners, we have a live webcast hangout that we need to do with the quickness. We have uh, our um, bonus episode coming up. I think we agreed we were going to record that this week. Yeah, we're, did we yeah, agree? Probably, probably yes. Probably Sunday. Yeah, cool. So stay tuned for that. We will leave you hanging as to what the topic is about. And then we also have our thematic episode where we all assigned each other um, books to read. So did we pick a date for that so that we can no. all get, get to reading? No, um, I because I, I still haven't um, been able. To yeah, I need fulfill. to. I need to get you those books. And I, yeah, no, I know. I have to uh, get the one that Vince picked for me. Right. Okay. But uh, but they'll all be coming in short order. So yes, stay tuned. And uh, thanks to everybody. We, we we hit our 150th patron today, so very humbling at uh, Patreon. So 150, Vince. That's nice. That's we, nice. Are we are we doing the the two or more a week yet? No, not just for. We're getting we real close. We're, patrons, we're about two hundred dollars away from uh, doing six episodes a minimum a month. Ugh. I gotta say one thing, Gimp sucks. Oh yeah. Well, Gimp, Gimp is Gimp, Gimp is friggin' horrible. What is this Gimp? It's 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 a it's it's basically it's a it's, Photoshop alternative. Yeah, it's 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 oh it okay. Friggin' horrible bullshit. Um, and I have something else to say. I don't know about Disney XD at all. Whatever shows are on Disney XD, but uh. 
I got a couple of toys from a show called Mech X4. Do you know what this is? I do not know what this is. It looks to me like a um, um, the the show with the kid with the watch that he makes all the ben monsters. 10? Yes, it looks like a Ben Ten, but it's a live action thing. Okay. The creatures are awesome. Yeah. I and I got two of them. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the show's on TV now or if it's on Netflix or whatever it is. Um, but it the is design, daring, yeah. The designs are really cool. So uh, if you like the kaiju like I do, check out this Mech X4 from Disney. I don't know what it is. Uh, but I will be looking out for it because the toys are awesome. Um, what do you all think of uh, the Disney news? Nah, whatever. whatever. I, 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 I really don't care about... After... Um, Iron Fist and the end of of Luke Cage. I I don't care about the the shows on the Netflix. Well, but it's not. No, the the shows aren't actually changing. Uh, it's the fact that essentially we are getting a Disney only uh, streaming service soon. Right. Um, Which yeah. will, although they're being mum about it now, I can assure you it will include Marvel and Star Wars as soon as their existing contractual obligations for those two properties end. I I, I can't see them launching a Disney focused monthly subscription service that doesn't have those properties on it so yeah how about the miller world that's pretty cool <laughs> you don't think <laughs> why you why you don't think that's neat that that dude has built a business that gets netflix to acquire him i think that's no that's great that's great I, you know for someone who was a few years ago pretty much on death's door i am i am really happy that um that he's able to that that the work he's done with artists um, has brought the attention, brought it, brought it to um, something like Netflix's attention to to make it worthwhile and, and see that there are stories that uh, that they can adapt for. Which what do you mean, uh, Death Store? Yeah, that, I don't get that either. Oh, seriously, you guys didn't know? No, I mean this is this is a while. Uh, this was a long. Um, I want to say long ago. Um, he. Uh, he was very ill, very ill. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, I mean, but this was like back the wizard days and things like that. Um, I'll, uh, I really don't. Yeah, I didn't want to make for for bad radio or anything. Um, it was uh, maybe. Well, see, you no, know, it's it depends on um, what uh, I kind of think. What kind of um, what kind of reports you want to um, to read about this? Uh, it was there was uh, there may have been a, a reaction to, to some medicine he was taking, but he he um, it was I, I it blood was wonky, spleen was huge, liver was acting all weird, um, just some very nasty symptoms of some things, but he, it, it took a while to, uh, to recover. So he didn't, he wasn't really doing much work while this was going on. Um, I believe it was Crohn's disease related. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, okay. the, the reaction was, uh, was not good. So it's, um, but I mean, yeah, we're talking, um, probably over a decade ago. Okay. I mean, listen, I, I know that, uh, he hasn't, uh, had a perfect, uh, isn't bad at a thousand, but I have to say I've, I've enjoyed 
the majority of his creator-owned work in the years that we've been doing the show. I mean, I uh, Jupiter Circle, Starlight, MPH, Chrononauts, uh, uh, yeah, even War Heroes, which is with Tony Harris, Grumble Grumble. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's good. I don't know. I, I love to see. I love to see creators getting rich off of their own creations. That's cool. I think there, that's yes. nothing but cool. And and I think um, and the stories that he he tells um, lend themselves well to yeah to live action media. To, to they don't he's not it's not legendary where all their stories are pitches that that hopefully will be made into movies. But if if the stories stand fine on their own as comic books, uh, but they do translate well on, um, onto the screen. So, yeah. And you know, like we've heard enough stories recently that cast a side eye about these supposed benevolent independent creators and how they treat their, 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 their artistic partners. So again, regardless of whether the Miller comics resonate with you or anyone specifically, you got to give them props because, um, He's legit 50-50 partners on all these properties with his artists. No bullshit. No 49-51. 50-50. So any of these things become TV shows or cartoons or movies, the people that drew them are getting rich too, which is awesome. That is awesome. So, All right, everybody. Um, thanks for being here with us once again. Join us on the Facebooks. And the Twitter and the uh, 11oclockcomics.com because we love you so much and we want you around us all the time, just like David does. Mm. Believe, believe me. Don't believe him. Uh, in the meantime, say goodnight, David. Wow. I got to get out of here or this episode is not getting up. Oh, yeah, no. Because <laughs> it's 1 o'clock already. Yep. Good night, David. I'm 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 with you there, Vince. It is. It's been a long day. It's been a great evening, but it's been a long day. It has been a great evening. It really was. Good job, Jason. Good job, David. It wasn't all. It no, wasn't all I mean, you did. You, you did. You, you. That shit. We did a good job. You, wow. You do a good job. <laughs> it, but only, he, my only man, you can be mad at me for something I, that I didn't say. Exactly. Because <laughs> I said it. But it's. Shit, only you could be mad at me for something I didn't even do. What the hell? It's so true, though. Oh, my God. You nailed it. You're and, people, and people wonder why I'm like Chris now. Oh, You're not like... I'm kidding. You, you overcompensated kidding. tonight, though. It's good. I overcompensated, see? No, little, I think... Little, I think little soft he, dig right there. He was less um, of a fanboy than he could have been. I mean, come on. This was Ed. The man, dude. Oh, yeah. You, right. you yeah. No, but been he like, had, remember the time when you had that hat on? He, he had his cub recorder. He had his cub reporter hat on, and, and he was. Dude, you know, speaking of that, though, Dak, remember when we rolled up to him at Heroes that first year? Yep. And dude was rocking the matching Gucci Kangol and shoes and belt. Yep. That shit was fly. Yes. What does that even mean? <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> about? Your, well, he always wears a Kangol hat. You know those like. And that's like the bucket hat. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I know that. Those. So at Heroes three years ago, he was rocking an all-matching outfit with sneakers, a belt, and a Kangol hat that were all Gucci, same colors. Wow. That, so that's expen- 
that's uh, an expensive well, thing. Well, it probably wasn't cheap, but yeah. He's real frugal, though. Like, mad frugal, from what I understand. You know, well, this, considering he doesn't this, decorate his house, as his room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One would think that when arranging Im- images by as- in ascending order, that the first image would be one no uh, obviously it's why not would you, why would you think that why would i yeah yeah because that would be common sense the first image is 16 like figure that shit out right. whatever out of here everybody hey enjoy this episode because we had a fun time making it come back next week we will be here waiting for you we love you so much go hug somebody real important to you and then come back here bye we love you say goodbye bye bye They'll separate down, I'll be gone Watch all I couldn't see Why you, you don't know me Sunglasses made, it gets so pretty.